Hello, everybody. This is Joshua Hatton with the One Nation Under Whiskey podcast. I am joined today and as always, always, always by my good friend, my business partner, the dear Jason Johnston Yellen. <laughs> Thank you, Joshua. As, as always, it is good to be here. It's good to be doing anything, to be honest. Mm, it is good. Like, when you say anything, do you mean... I mean, obviously, we there's a lot we cannot do, but what are you missing the most? I was thinking this yesterday. I miss pitching up at an airport, going to the business side of proceedings, mm-hmm. being treated like a human being All right. by an airline, okay. and then heading off for my flight. And I thought that was a strange thing to miss, because obviously... I miss the people I see on my travels. Mm-hmm. I miss pouring whiskey for people. I miss talking whiskey with people. I miss hugging people on the other side of the country or the other side of the world mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that I haven't seen for a few months. Like there's there's clearly a lot of things that I miss as a human being. Yeah. But I but it was that little bit of being treated like I was special. That I was missing. I thought that was kind of interesting, kind of, hmm. kind of peculiar. Is were you being treated special, or just one human connecting with another human? No, the airlines are treating you and me and people who travel as much as us special because we spend a lot of money. Well, yeah, okay. It has nothing to yeah. do with our humanity. <laughs> but but I think what was striking yeah. for me is the juxtaposition between right now we're all in it together we're all locked down you know my kids just know me as dad they Mm. don't know me as frequent flyer you know white-haired guy who shows up at the desk once a week um it's just i'm kind of a normal guy and uh, and so it was just that thought of i also have a life Mm -hmm. where people treat me a little more special because I spend money on the thing that they're a part of. Okay. Okay. So no, there's there's no connection of humanity there. No. That's not happening. <laughs> what about you then? Are there are there things you're missing? There's one thing in particular. And actually you you sent me an article this morning saying thinking about <laughs> you right now. I desperately miss just going out to see a live show, just like seeing live bands play. You are Mr. Music. Right. And, you know, I was, I was looking through my phone and, and I saw this old recording of this band called Cap and Jazz, which I fell in love with them in the mid nineties. They were like this post hardcore pre emo kind of band, like emo before it was emo you know, and but post hardcore, but it was the, one of these bands that I would just put their album on nonstop and listen to it all day, every day, and and I got to see them in 2018. They did this reunion tour, and I'm looking at that video, and you know, there's hundreds and hundreds of people in the crowd. 
and we're all on top of each other and there's stage diving <laughs> and there's just sweaty people everywhere and everybody's having the best time in the world. And I just can't imagine like going to see a show, having to stay six feet with <laughs> from everybody. And it's just, you know, there's something about that connection when you're when you're seeing when someone's seeing a band they like or their favorite artist, there's there is that communal feeling when it comes to an underground band show, like a punk show or something like that. There's a physical connection that you have with people that yeah. that I am seriously, seriously missing. And uh, and so you had sent me that article written by Dave Grohl, where he was lamenting the same thing, like I. You know, before he wrote that article, he said the next show we had planned was to play in front of eighty thousand people yeah. in yeah, DC. July Fourth, and yeah. Uh, yeah. and when when does something like that return? And that that is that is frustrating and scary and sad and it's all the things. Yeah, as much as this isn't extra extra, it's all about whiskey. It's not even extra extra. It's all about movies. This is, uh, if you're interested in what I sent to Joshua and, and what Joshua's talking about, Dave Grohl wrote a piece for The Atlantic called The Day the Live Concert Returns. Mm. You can find it online. And it's just a, a lovely written piece. And it really captures you know, whether, whether your thing, just like Josh and I are talking about just now, whether your thing is going back to a concert or being able to go to the grocery store on a daily basis, or if it's going to a bar, um, you know, we're, we're all feeling the same sense of when does this end and what does it look like when it ends? Yep. And it's really, it really captures the focus of today's episode. Mm -hmm. Yep. Where you and I, a couple of weeks ago, were starting to say, okay, what, what, what does the future look like for One Nation Under Whiskey? We're used to our travels. We're used to meeting people. We're used to <laughs> being with people. We're used to putting mm -hmm. our microphones in front of them, having a face-to-face -face chat on site over a dram. And it's it's a lovely, lovely thing that has gone away. And and so you and I got together. Okay, how would we do this? How, how might we put this together? Mm -hmm. One of the things, and regular listeners know this about you, you are you are Mr. Sound. Uh, and one of the issues, you and I are also, you know, you know, active podcast listeners. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that's currently driving me to distraction, and I'm not Mr. Sound guy, so I imagine it's driving you to distraction, is that a lot of my regular podcasts who I love because A, I love the personalities of the hosts, but B, I love the fact they have natural conversations mm -hmm. with the people they speak to. The sound quality has gone to hell in a handbasket. It sounds like they're interviewing baby Jane at the bottom of a well. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's <laughs> you know, and, and yes, we understand this is COVID living. And yes, we understand we're living in a, in a current new normal but you and I wanted to try and and solve the the the, the sound issue, mm -hmm. right? And so, <laughs> and I, I feel a little bad doing this, and everybody was more than happy to do it. But each of the five people that we interviewed for today's episode, we had them record locally on their own devices. 
<laughs> and then submit that recording to us so that we wouldn't have any over the air, um, what would you call it? Um, over the air distortion. Yes. Well, it's it's over the air dis- distortion, but there's also if you don't have people record to their local device and you you rely on something like Zoom or something like FaceTime or something like that, really Zoom, there there's something called audio drift. And while you... I, I am audio drifting off right now. Please continue. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the, the point is, is that you, you, you feel like you're having a normal conversation, but everybody knows there's a bit of lag in Zoom. But when you listen back to it, occasionally, occasionally, um, the, the audio can just lose time a bit. And it's just... Sometimes the audio loses a second here, a half a second there, a quarter second there, <laughs> and and you know one track will just end up being out of sync. And so we said, you know what? Whether they are recording to Zoom or they're recording locally, the audio may not be so great. So some people, like you had said, they just use their their computer mics. Some people had their own mics, but we had everybody yeah. record locally. So the good news is while you know, you're going to hear five different conversations. At least everything will be in sync, and you'll be yeah. able to 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 listen in to the conversations. Well, and and we did with with our interviewees, with our subjects. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did with them what you and I do anytime we record is we set up video conferencing yeah. so that we could see eyeballs and reactions. And then we recorded to separate devices. And as you rightly just said, you and I have got, you know, not overly expensive, but very decent road microphones that we have attached to our desks Mm -hmm. that we use for all of our recordings. Other people were using a laptop mic or a, a, an earbud mic. And, and so <laughs> or a there's can a difference with a string there. attached to it. <laughs> right. There's a, there's a difference there. The, the other thing that I want to share with our listeners is, and our, our regular listeners will appreciate this, the remit as it went out to the people we were asking if we could interview them was... You were on a recent episode, and we we considered that within maybe the last nine months. Mm -hmm. You were in a recent episode of One Nation Under Whiskey. We'd love to follow up with you for the benefit of our listeners, Mm -hmm. just to see how you've been affected by the lockdown, the global pandemic, so on and so forth. We'll only take up 10 to 15 minutes of your time. Now... Regular listeners know 10 to 15 minutes of your time is never going to be 10 to 15 minutes of your time. But what we found and, and what you know we'll all hear as this episode goes along today is that so many of us are so starved for conversations separate from the loved ones yeah. among whom we've been living in our homes. Nobody, nobody was in a rush to get out of the interview. Nobody was rushing out anywhere. Um, It was, and, 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 including ourselves, (laughs) right. And to a large extent, it was also nice just to catch up with people whom we like and whom we enjoy. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and so this this was a friendly catch-up recorded for the benefit of the listeners, for the benefit of the podcast. Yeah. And I really hope these come across as such. Um, they, they definitely sound like people just chatting about what life looks like. Yeah. As opposed to, you know, a set list of questions or any kind of branding exercise. You know, it fits in with our normal remit mm-hmm. when we conduct our interviews. And and we're, we're going to move over to some of these conversations in a little bit. But the other, the other thing that I wanted to add in is the fact that when we reached out to people, we wanted to... We we wanted to get a, a wide variety of people. So you know, in in Ian Robertson from Rasse Distillery, we have a distiller. In mm-hmm. Alistair Walker, we have an independent bottler. What? How is COVID affecting him? In Holly Sidewand, we have someone who is the you know the national brand ambassador for the Bacardi Distilleries. What what does that do? We you know we've heard so many companies letting their brand ambassadors go she's still employed she's still rocking yep. and rolling what's her life like what are her peers lives like etc um and then scott harris an american producer from Catoctin creek and he gets to talk a bit about some of the hand sanitizers they made and some of the other things that they've got going on there yep and then finally uh because this is our podcast um we wanted to let you guys know what <laughs> What sales are looking like for single cast nation outside of the U.S.? So we brought in the good Jess Lomas to yep. to tell us about what her life has been like since since this whole COVID thing hit. So we really wanted to get the point of view from many different aspects of the whiskey industry, and I'm pretty happy with the conversations we had and, and the answers that our guests gave. Yeah, very much so. Uh, you know, first and foremost, it was just lovely to see these five terrific people yep. who we thoroughly enjoy uh, and touch base with them during a very difficult time for everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on the other side, I feel like under pandemic living, we were able to produce a, a decent episode of the podcast. Agreed. <laughs> hey, we don't say and the, the listeners else. shall be the judge of that. <laughs> I'm sure they agree. I hope they agree. So who do we have first? Who who shall we go to first to, to begin this series of chats? Well, I would li- I would like to kick it off with the good Ian Robertson, if you wouldn't mind. Mm-hmm. You know, w- one of the things I found interesting about our discussion with him is A, not as only not only is he, you know, the head distiller for a newer distillery that is yet to release a whiskey, right? Uh, he's the head distiller of a new distillery on a remote island in Scotland, right? So, <laughs> yeah, difficulty level high, difficulty level higher, <laughs> ultimately, difficulty level pro. <laughs> I think this might be difficulty level beast mode. <laughs> Beast mode. <laughs> I think that makes good sense. Uh, yeah, so let's let's hand it off to to Ian, and then we'll, we'll what we'll do is we'll take a break in between each each guest. Yeah, and, yeah we'll, and we'll return to us after yeah. we hear from Ian here. Yeah. So uh, so without further ado, the good Ian Robertson.
Thank you. So you're actually on Rassi, Ian. I am indeed, yep. <laughs> Thank you for joining us over <laughs> Zoom. <laughs> yeah, this is a new one for me. It's uh, too used to face-to-face. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, I, Joshua knows as well as anybody, I, I hate all the technological stuff. <laughs> I would much rather be standing next to you at the distillery, but uh-huh. different times. Um, is the distillery still running at this time, or are you down at the distillery on any given day? Uh, no, we... St- uh, we stopped production about five weeks ago, um, just before lockdown was announced for the UK. Um, we'd stopped the tours in the hotel already, um, and we were still producing, but then the company made the decision just mm. to, to stop production, and then, yeah, lockdown was announced. So uh, I'm not doing any work, but plenty of people at the distillery still working very hard. <laughs> <laughs> were you making any hand sanitizers like some of the other distilleries were doing? No. When we were producing, we were looking at hand sanitizer, but everything was with uh, grain neutral to begin with, 96%, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. which we'd used all of ours to make gin. Mm. Uh, so we were only producing the malt new make. Um, we then shut down, and then they kind of said, well, We'll take any spirit you have, but we'd already shut down by that point. So we weren't in the the hand sanitizer game um, before we shut down. Um, And then what was production looking like for you before you shut down? uh, Yeah, we were were running fine. Uh, When kind of COVID, we were chatting about it the other day, it's mental thinking, was it first case in February and we were thinking nothing would come of it and then bam. Mm. So I remember chatting to our malt suppliers and they weren't, foreseeing any interruptions uh, with uh, deliveries we were confident enough we could keep going um, we can social distance on on shift as well um, mm. huh. and we were we were doing safe practices making sure we had better hygiene in place uh, but then yeah as I said a decision just to shut down so everyone was safe felt like the right one to do were there were there so, any so, cases? So there's, oh, I'm sorry, Joshua. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. Just you know, you're, you're talking about social distancing on an island that is a small and b not very populous. Did did you have any cases of of COVID hitting Rasse? Uh, we had a couple of people in self isolation um, that were displaying symptoms, but not sure if it if it was or not. None before all the testing and no one's really been tested so we're not 100% sure if there was and maybe they were fine because they isolated but there was a few people in self-isolation just to just obviously play it safe you cough a couple of times in one day it was like right let's just do it just so it it doesn't spread (laughs) wow Um, okay yeah yeah a desolated island is is not something you want but there's a few cases over on sky confirmed now um so it is kind of it's not coming for us, but yeah, it's it's around. So people are still aware of it, and we're still very much in in shutdown and sticking to the government lockdown rules. Yeah, yeah, sure. So there's there's nobody at the distillery at all on any given day. Uh, no, we still have um, a couple of members of staff up. Uh, one of my operators um, and his girlfriend, who oh, she does everything from checking people into the hotel to selling casks. Um, I can't remember what her official title is, but the two of them live together, so we kept them working uh, because <laughs> <laughs> that'll teach them. Yeah, that'll te- no, uh, our online sales are still very much happening, so um, okay. there's still plenty of our gin and whiskey leaving uh, leaving the island. Uh, oh, interesting! Sales, so they're still oh, okay. up there uh, packaging it all and getting it sent out. And our uh, general manager, um, he's still on site. Um, daily meetings with the 
the board to see basically what's happening and what where the company's going. We're currently designing, uh, still finalising design for our inaugural release bottle as well. So our marketing team are still in. Wow. Um, we're very much still on track to have that ready for Christmas this year. Okay. So they're all still working, probably doing lots of Zoom calls like this um, to get the packaging all sorted and get our bottles ready and what have you. Um, so yeah, they're they're doing it. Our social media guys still working. They're they're working from home, but he's working, getting making sure our presence is still online and what have you. So, just is he back in the mainland? No, no, he's still on Rassi. Yep, it's um, he's oh, just okay. along the road. Yeah, so, um, but no, very much. I market and and um, online sales are still still in full flow. So we, they're still working very oh, hard. That's, <laughs> that's terrific. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. So without leading the witness, what do you do to put in a day when you're when you're on lockdown and Rassi? Uh, well, we're I'm making the most of some long lives because I know they're going to disappear very quickly. Um, <laughs> so I don't tend to set an alarm and wake up at around eight in the morning, which is nice. Uh, get up, I have a coffee read up on the news. I've got a wee Sudoku book that I'm enjoying as well. Uh, it's a very, <laughs> a very nice, relaxed, very nice, relaxed mornings. The dog is absolutely loving the fact that I'm not working. So we go out for plenty of walks and lots of big, long walks as well. Nice. Uh, just the usual nice weather. So we're trying to get the garden sorted. Um, my shed had a leak, so we're trying to fix that. And we did painted <laughs> the gardens, trying to get all the everything ready. While we can, it's um, when the shed leak becomes the big project of the yeah, day. Yeah, that's it. That's right. It, that's okay. It. You may be able Today's to see the in the, the video behind me. Um, I'm going to paint the kitchen as well. So there's some samples of what colour we're oh, going for. <laughs> so the big kitchen paint will be happening soon as well. So, <laughs> but no, it just seems to be plenty to to be keeping us busy. And yeah, just kind of enjoying a bit of peace and quiet really because yeah as i say we know it's going to be ending soon <laughs> hopefully it is yes yeah. for 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 listeners uh ian and his, his good lady fiona who the last time we spoke to ian on the podcast they were just about to get married uh now they're just about to have a baby so i'm gonna assume it's been at least nine months since we <laughs> interviewed you at Mollstock. <laughs> oh and i didn't yeah, think we you were a math <laughs> The podcast he's done with me, we, were, we made her listen to it when we were on our honeymoon. So <laughs> much to her, just, I don't want to say discuss. She said it was quite enjoyable, but <laughs> it was just listening to me talk about whiskey more, which she hears plenty of. So. Right. Yeah, that's exactly my wife's position. It's like you already talk about it so much. I really don't need to hear it anymore. Um, so I, I had a question, and then I'll I'll throw it over to Joshua. He can ask you a question, but mm-hmm. mine is more of the. Being on uh, Rassi, I, I assume a Hebridean island. Am I correct with my Scottish yeah, geography? Yeah. Okay, fuel, fuel. Um, <laughs> pulled that one out my back end. And so, <laughs> how do you go about getting your your groceries? How do you? Is there a, a local shop that's yeah, our, stocked? Our, our local shop has been an absolute lifesaver. Holy moly! Um, they've the 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 shop are doing fantastic. They're open all year round, and that's where we do our uh, our shopping. Uh, all year but they've just kind of upped their game made sure there's plenty of stock and plenty of options what have you so we can put orders in go pick it up at the back door um so you don't even have to go into the shop either so 
they have been Holy moly. they have been great. Yeah, you get butcher meat from um over in the east coast delivered every Thursday, so you get nice mm-hmm. fresh fresh meat. Um veg comes in three times a week. Yeah, it's it's been absolutely great. They've been lifesavers for a lot of people, yeah. Holy moly. I've I've been on Isla at lunchtime on a Monday. And the rolls haven't come in because the ferry was delayed. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't take much to throw that um, food plan out of whack. And Mm. so, um, yeah, I suppose again, one of those thankful it's summer. It was just, I keep saying summer, but it's spring. So, eh? Um, because the ferry, the ferry might get cancelled in the winter for the bad weather, but it's never going to get cancelled now because of the nice weather. So, yeah, no, no disruptions to our food source yet, and yeah, they've been fantastic, and no need to go off the island at all. <laughs> <laughs> Wait till they release you from lockdown and the weather turns, and you oh, can't I get know. out your house. <laughs> That'll be classic Scotland summer. Yeah, definitely. Sorry, Josh, I've been holding the conversation here. What What are the burning questions you have? Well, I, you know, I think Jason, you asked a really good question about food and you know just what's keeping you alive now but i i always like to look (laughs) to after this because i hate all of this so much uh not that there's anyone that likes this but you know i I hate it enough and i have to mention it but you mentioned something earlier which uh got me a bit excited because it is looking into the future you're going to have your inaugural release for christmas can you a, talk about that a little bit. B, let us know if it's coming into the U.S. And C, because I celebrate Hanukkah, can I get eight bottles instead of just the one <laughs> that people would be getting for Christmas? Um, yeah, so I'll answer your American question first because I honestly don't know. Um, I don't deal with the sales side of thing. I know that the export team, we're in talks with America uh, and – it's kind of been going back and forth with a few distributors. So I'm not a hundred percent sure who's going to be distributing it and to where, but mm. I do believe it, it will be available. Um, but yeah, our inaugural release then, um, when we first started producing, we filled first fill uh, bourbon barrels. And then when that reached two years, roughly, um, cause they were all filled over the course of October, 2017, Mm-hmm. Um, so the start of November uh, last year, I transferred those first fill bourbons into first fill Bordeaux red wine casks, oh, right. and they're going to sit in there for another year, and then we're going to bottle it in the November this year. So, Was that a little bit of what we had a taste of uh, when uh, we interviewed no, you at Maltstock? I gave you guys, we had the... the uh, Virgin Chinkapin, the Rye, oh, and yeah. the Bordeaux Red. So they Correct. were, yeah, they were all ma- matured in those bars. It was, it wasn't a fin. I, I, we need a better word than finish, I suppose, because it's two years and in one year, it's maybe additional maturation <laughs> or something. Um, but yes, bourbon barrels aren't going to be part of our core recipe for the standard uh, Rassi. Um, so we we have filled bourbon barrels, and we're just kind of looking at them what to do. So we thought. Since the Rassi, while we rate the product we have on the market just now, um, is bourbon matured finished in uh, Tuscan red wine, we mm. thought kind of a good stepping stone would be bourbon matured finished off in the Bordeaux red to then 
2021, our core range will be ready and we'll be releasing the combination of that virgin rye and Bordeaux red together. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Um, so it's it's lightly peated spirit. Um, we used heavily peated malt, but we took a bit of a narrower cut just to kind of keep it so it didn't become too smoky because, again, we're not producing – we produce heavily peated spirit, but mm. we're, again, going to blend it together with the unpeated to create our lightly. Um, so we took a narrower cut with that heavily peated malt just to kind of keep to the characteristics that we're looking for. And it's, yeah, we'd, I mean, I tasted it before lockdown. It must have been February we had a wee sample. Mm. Uh, it'd only been in the wine cast for three months, so you're still getting a lot of the wine characteristics rather than the oak coming through, which, which will start to develop now we're getting closer to that year mark. Sure. It's limited. There's 21 casts of the red wine available for the whole world. Um, so it's quite a limited release. Um, and it's our stepping stone to saying goodbye to the Rassi Wild Wait, which has been our poor and our mm-hmm. drama, all, everything for the last four or five years, um, mm-hmm. to what Rassi Core Range is going to be come 2021. So, that's huh, very exciting. Yeah. That is so cool. Okay. Now, with that in mind, so that that's us looking to the future. Let's step back a little bit. And you were talking before, you've got people who are handling the gin orders, you know, all of your online orders, and you'll have some bottling done. What what measures are you taking internally? You talked about a little bit before some new hygienic measures that you've had to put into place to make sure there's no contaminated glass, no, you know, corks, you know, all that. What are you doing? What have you implemented to ensure you're adhering to any government guidelines? Yeah, so we're just we're just following what the government are saying, basically, just to make sure we're promoting better hand uh, washing. So anytime you're out the building or before you eat and everything for uh, for washing your hands, we kind of thought ahead. We made a we made a lot of gin in January uh, to do us. So we've got plenty of gin there. So we don't need to produce more. Um, and that was all kind of ready, and we bottled a lot as well before we shut down. And it's just oh, okay. again, it's it's kind of we're making sure that we're we're wearing gloves, um, and then if we're changing tasks, we're then changing gloves and trying to keep everything as because we're a it's a, a small team and we're all kind of working together. We can just keep an eye out for one another and remind us because it's it can be quite easy to to forget, especially sure. with so. Not that we're like everything hygiene. Obviously, when we're bottling, it's quite an important thing anyway. Sure. Without a virus, but <laughs> so the hygiene levels were there. It was just to kind of up it a little bit Heighten more, it, just yeah. to, to yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so I, I, just to close out on a, another peek at the future, do you? You know, none of us really have as much information as we maybe need. Do you have a sense of what the rest of 2020 might look like for you, for production, for the reopening, a soft reopening of production? Um, Do you have any sense? I'm not sure. I have a, uh, I have a friend over in Hong Kong who I was chatting to the other day, and it's quite interesting to see how things are over there because he, we, we uh, Zoom chatted and he was just back from dinner. Hmm. And I was like, sorry, what? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, me me and the girlfriend just went out for dinner. So uh, over there, they're still sticking to the two-meter distance. But if you're a restaurant, you can open and you just they're just doing half the covers or whatever. So it's quite uh-huh. interesting to see that they're still making sure they're social distancing. But they can, they can still gather in groups of less than five, I think it is. Um, 
So just going from that in Norway as well, speaking to my friend who's a brewer over in Norway, and he was saying they can meet in groups of less than five. And five seems to be a common number when you're, so I'm not sure if the, we hmm. might soft open tours with five people. I'm not yeah. sure. That might be an option. Terrible production. We had a meeting on Monday there and then we're having a meeting at the start of June and we're just kind of, when it's safe to do so, we'll start producing again. Cause again, we're not an essential workforce. So like, yeah. we, and we have, yeah, we can abide to the, the social distancing on shift. Um, you just kind of one's mashing, one distilling. Where you can be opposite ends of the distillery. But um, So maybe start of July, we might consider starting production again. Um, a lot of our kits needing serviced as well. So when the engineers oh, okay. can come out and look at that, might okay. uh, that might be the, the, the factor when we start production again. Yeah. Um, there's still too many unknowns, I think, to know as such. But I don't mm. – I'm not – the the top dog so it's the managers that are chatting about this daily um <laughs> you'll just uh, go where you're yeah, pointed I'll when just, you're pointed when i get the email to say ian get the get the boiler back up and running then i'll know like let's get, let's get going um but i'm sure it's a, a daily headache for them trying to work it out but um, uh well just, well we yeah joshua yeah i'm sorry just just one one last question i know, I know jason that you you want to close it out on this and, and we meant to make the conversation a bit short but I'm curious about supply because you'd, you'd mentioned that you shut down a bit before the, you know, it was mandated uh, by the UK government to shut down. Was any part of that decision influenced by potential slowdowns in supply? Is that, you know, were maltsters slowing down? Did you have difficulty getting yeast? Did Was any of that a factor? I've not actually spoke to my yeast supplier since this all happened. So maybe I should fire them over an email. Because we were fortunate enough to get a pallet load um, in February, so okay. <laughs> that would have seen us out till the end of summer, probably. Anyway, um, just for yeah, for delivery purposes, we tend to buy a lot of yeast and a oneer to kind of save down on having to go back and forward on the ferry. Mm. Um, so I'm not sure about our yeast, um, but that, I probably should email and see what's happening with them. I said earlier, our malt supplier weren't really foreseeing any issues um they had plenty of malt there yeah and they weren't seeing an issue with the the haulagers to to bring it over our ferry is still running uh, it's short in service now but it's still running for essential travel and businesses okay so though people can't really come over to rassi for a jolly we can still get we still get deliveries and what have you over here so they weren't too uncomfortable with saying that they'd be fine, um, that they kind of had all the malt laid down for us. That might have changed again. I've not spoke to them in over a month. So, okay. Then they knew we were shut down, so maybe they've just not bothered to to contact because they knew I wasn't going to be getting in touch until July, really, because, again, I have a silo full of malt there as well. Um, um, so okay. we're still, even when we start production back up, I'll still be good for another couple of weeks. Okay. Um, it's going to be interesting just to have this dot of maltster joined to this dot dot of yeast to this dot of ferry service <laughs> to this dot of weather <laughs> but you, you guys have already been distilling on rassi you you understand yeah. how the dot joining works there's a lot of there's a lot of things that need to come together um i think the the, the issue is with little things that maybe the the unromantic side of the distillery when you go on a tour, you don't often see the cooling tower, but because that's been shut down, that needs cleaned and disinfected before we can start back up again. Sure. So 
we'll need to get the the cleaners up to do that. But so does every other distillery in Scotland who has a cooling tower. So they're going to be very busy. <laughs> so <laughs> it's kind of you want to try and book them in as soon as you can uh, to ensure that because it would be a bit annoying if we're all ready to start producing the malts coming over. The yeast is here, but we need we're still waiting on a boy to come and clean one bit of kit. That yeah. Um, so there's a lot to come together, and it's what the what countless zoom meetings to to ensure that everyone knows what's going on around the place so sure. it doesn't get to that so i don't get an email and say how's work on monday sound i'm like well we need this this and this so <laughs> yeah um, jeez well, well best of luck with with the reopening best of luck yes. surviving lockdown and best of yeah, luck with the impending baby thank um, you very much and we greatly appreciate you taking time away from your sudoku to talk to us <laughs> my pleasure <laughs> <laughs> cheers Ian. Right, cheers As we mentioned there, sincere thanks to Ian for taking time away from walking the dog down the beach. If you enjoyed the conversation with Ian and this is your first time hearing him on the podcast, please return season three, episode 17. Josh, you and I were at Maltstock. Mm. We met Ian for the first time. We tasted through a bunch of cask samples from the Rassi Distillery and just chatted with Ian about the larger project of the Rassi Distillery. And I think in this time of, of COVID, people are returning to some of the older episodes. I, oh, I'll, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you somebody who's been texting me and giving me a hard time because he never gets a mention on the podcast. Regular listeners, uh-huh. original listeners, long-time listeners might remember when my brother was a regular <laughs> listener of the podcast. Did you know he May- just texted me? He just texted oh, did, did he, he just text, text, text you too? <laughs> Oh, this second? He uh, he actually did just text me this second, but I haven't read it. I don't know what it's about. Um, yeah, he was upset because back in the Jess and Mark takeover episode, yes. which has been getting a ton of positive responses, yeah. uh, the the listeners of the nation, of uh, the listeners of One Nation Under Whiskey have been thoroughly enjoying that episode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I made a reference about just coming from Walker Slater, and oh, yeah, that's right. Mark and I talked a bit about Tweed and you know farmers used to be their 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 key demographic. My brother texted me to say, "Oh, you didn't want to tell anybody that you'd been at Walker Slater with your brother doing some shopping with your brother." Yeah. I was like, "When did I mention Walker Slater?" <laughs> Oh, you're listening to the pod. You're listening to the podcast again, and so, so then he texted me on Saturday afternoon and said, "What are you all watching for family movie night?" Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm looking at my text like now he's just stalking me. How does he know we don't talk about this? And I texted him back. It's kind of creepy that you're listening to the podcast again. You know things that I haven't otherwise been sharing. So. So anywho, uh, somehow we get on to a, a shout out for my brother Murray. He is a cheeky chappy, but he's a good lad and, and, I, and I miss getting to see him, drink yeah. with him, hug with him. Yeah. He's, uh, he's getting sentimental during this lockdown. 
Well, yeah. So the reason you mentioned it is, you know, that older episodes are starting to get a bit more play with this mm-hmm. whole COVID mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that brought you to Murray. And that's yes. a really good point because he had stopped listening until the pandemic hit. And now I'm getting texts from him left and right about the episode. Um, so, so there you go, Murray. You, you got your uh, you got your 15 minutes of fame there. There you go. So, welcome back, Murray, and thanks again to Ian. And, and please do go revisit season three, episode 17, if you want to hear much more from the wonderful Ian Robertson. Yeah, good. Very pleased to introduce our next guest, Jason. I am so happy to hear that that gives you pleasure. At your age, not a lot does. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to tell you that Allie Walker does pleasure me. I mean, he does. I mean, <laughs> it brings me pleasure to introduce Allie Walker. Am I saying things right, I Jason? had liquid in my mouth when you said that, and I nearly spat it all over my laptop. So. That's called timing. That's comedic timing. <laughs> Gosh. We do know that he has, he has reached out separately. We've mentioned him in yeah. episodes where he has not starred to talk about Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want to say we had a short conversation with them about Pirates of the Caribbean uh, during the lockdown, but I don't think it made it into the recording. There is only one way to find out. I like your inquisitive mind. <laughs> but uh, it, it was good talking with Allie to hear from a fellow independent bottler just all the trials and tribulations he's been going through, kind of uh, a, a bit in a holding pattern, though... Listeners will will hear pretty quickly. He's actually pleased about the quarantine. He's uh, he's been enjoying the he, not pleased about the quarantine, but he's been enjoying the break. Let's put it that way. So, so how's it looking for you? How is how is quarantine lockdown? Social oh, isolation. I, I, I actually, I, I, I could get used to this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's odd. We've been now for about six, it's I think six weeks um, as of sort of Monday or Tuesday, and yeah. I think I think basically what what they're what they're doing in the the UK is every three weeks they review it. And so we're we're due for a review on Thursday, um, but the the Scottish Prime Minister has already indicated that there's possibly going to be no changes at all on oh, okay. Thursday. Um, whereas the British Prime Minister is sort of suggesting there might be, but with this type of thing, the the devolved parliaments have jurisdiction. Um, so I guess I guess we'll we'll know a bit more tomorrow. Uh, I mean, it's been it's been it's been okay because uh, you know we've got a, we can go out in the garden and the weather's been really amazing um, for for the whole of lockdown pretty much. So what a get, curse! Get, I know, get, guaranteed <laughs> when the weather when the weather turns bad, that's when things will return to normal. Um, <laughs> but so it's I mean it, it's okay. Um, <clears throat> it, it's difficult from from a work point of view because it's really difficult to. 
everything's kind of ground to a to a halt really um, mm-hmm. in terms of selling product and you know distilleries and transport companies actually functioning. Um, we still got a lot of the UK independent sort of specialist retailers are, are still. I mean, you guys will know this because you, you you deal with some of them. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of those guys are still are still open, um, even if it's just just online. So yeah. there, there's there's still the opportunity for people to buy uh, products. Um, I I, I kind of got I get I get hit a little bit in that my my next bottling was was being worked on just at the time mm-hmm. when when everything went into lockdown. So it it, it got stuck at the bottler. Um, They've actually they've actually reopened uh, in the last week. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna manage to basically I just had to get the labels applied. The the the, the whiskey was already in the bottle, so I just had to get the labels applied. Okay. Um, and so it was just sitting there for for about six weeks, doing nothing. It should it should all be done in the next fortnight, but it, that that that's really only half half the battle because now I'm I'm thinking should is this is it appropriate to uh, no no appropriate's not the right word is it the right timing to yeah. to bring to bring a new product to the market mm. and also are are the markets where the product's going to go are they actually functional um, so is yep. is it is it is it be- I mean you know this yourself is it is it better yep. to, to to go ahead and, and try and Make some revenue, or or is it better to actually wait uh, a month or two and, and and try and get a better impact? So. And what did you decide? I haven't <laughs> decided yet. Um, I, I, I think I think what I'll do is I'll, I'll I'll float it out to the different customers, and if they want to take it, they can take it, and if they if they want to wait, they can wait, and then it's 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 up to them. So. How many bottles do you have in the new release? Uh, there's five casks, uh, but two two of them are quite big. Uh, two of them are big sort of punchings. Um, so oh, wow. about, oh, nice. I'm trying to remember, probably about maybe between 300 and 350 cases of, okay. of five five different different whiskies. Oh, okay. um, yep. It's, it's it's a shame because I, I was actually that this this is the first of of the of the batches that that have been bottled so far. This was the first one where we've actually got a mixture of of original casks and also some re-racks, mm. um, which okay. I, w- I wasn't able to, to, to do at, at, until this point. Um, so it, it was somewhere, it was getting to that point where you, you could actually have, have done something different to the whiskey. Um, so I was quite excited. Uh, we had we had some tastings lined up and, um, you know, the festival down in, in your 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 hometown, Jason, in, in June, the the yeah. Robbie's Drams event was was due yeah. to take place, but it's it's been postponed. Um, so we were we were going to have a bit of a launch at that. Um, and I, it's difficult. I, I don't know when I don't know when whiskey festivals will be able to resurrect themselves. You know. Um, yeah, it's and we're seeing from Canada, we're hearing in the US, we're seeing some of the ones over in Europe. People have even just moved on to 2021. Yeah. Uh, Mark and the gang with Glasgow's Whiskey Fest didn't put their November tickets on sale, yeah. but haven't yet said it, it's not happening. And so clearly we're in the fifth month. They've got another six months to November. Who knows what that'll look like? Yeah, but for, it seems for, like anything in the immediate future, people are just taking it off the board. 
Yeah, I, th- I think in I mean in November you you don't know, um, but there's no there's no reason for them to cancel it yet. I mean they've got they've got plenty of time to wait and see see what yeah. might happen. Um, I've seen but pictures of that event though. You know, it's it, like you're in those rooms and you're squeezing cheeks, like your your shoulders are tight because you're yeah. dealing with a sea of people. So even if they have it. You know, it, it makes me wonder whether whether it's Glasgow's Whiskey Festival or, or any of these others, if they will cut their ticket sales in half or something like that to give people a bit more, you know, birth as they're as they're walking around the festival. Yeah. Reduce numbers into individual yeah, rooms, yeah. that kind of thing. Social distance in a master class. It's, yeah. Um, so, so just to circle back, there were you responsible for the two releases that are in the punchins? Actually, one funnily enough, and this, this is this is probably not what you would expect, but one one of the one of the releases in the punchings is actually the the original cask. It's it's a it's a refill punching, uh, which I, I have no idea what what you know. I'd love to say it was a sherry punching, but uh, it's <laughs> I, I didn't buy it as that. And uh, I actually was having this conversation with my dad. I said, "Well, what 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 the hell else would be in a punching, you know?" <laughs> <laughs> but say like I, I, officially, officially according to the paperwork, it's just a refill punching. Um, mm. I could, it's not. It does. I, I couldn't, you know, say that's a sherry cast because it's not. It's not got that full blown, um, massive flavour that you get. But the other one, the other one is one that I I re racked um, oh, okay. myself. Um, okay. Yeah. So. And it's 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 ridiculous. I mean, it, it's I mean, I'm 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 deliberately avoiding the names because I haven't told any of my my distributors what they are yet. Understood. The the, the, the one that the one that I I rewrite myself. The, the color on it is just it's ridiculous. It's so it's so dark. Um, mm. And you know, obviously, color's not it's not that's not the be all and end all. But you know, people get quite excited. And it the, flav- the, the flavor yeah. the, the flavor profile matches up with the what the color would would suggest of, of the whiskey. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. yeah, no, it's, it's that conversation Joshua and I have all the time. If you're if you're talking with whiskey geeks or if you consider yourself a whiskey geek, you're you're careful to say colour doesn't matter. But when we're putting our bottles on retail shelves or we're walking in and showing them to a retailer or a distributor, colour uh, tells a story. Absolutely. <laughs> it definitely is a component of the sale of whiskey, so... Yeah. I think we do our disservice to ourselves when we completely avoid the conversation. But uh, there's there's definitely a, a swath of the, the consumership who are absolutely swayed by colour. See, I like these whiskies where you actually can't drink them. You have to approach them with a knife and fork, you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a texture I'm all over. <laughs> you know, coming from a Glendronic background, I've, I've always been... Uh, really into that that kind of really heavy 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 sherry finish yeah so, always always preferred Ben Riach over Glendronach always 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 well there's, always. there's the, the thing with Ben Riach there's the, you probably get more you probably get more insight into the original uh, you know bourbon cask maturation side of it exactly um, yep. whereas you, you didn't really ever get to see that with Glendronach because it, it always ended up going into something that was, you know, Oloroso or PX. So. Exactly. Yeah, any chance I get Glendronach in ex-bourbon, 
um, is always of interest to me. It's, it's yeah. like when you see some of the independently bottled Macallan in ex-bourbon. Like yeah. that's that's of interest. That's the, that's the peak stuff. behind the yeah. curtain. Yeah, 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 exactly. I that agree. That we're looking for. I, I want to get back to this particular bottling that you're, you're on the fence on, on how to release it, when to release it. This is release number three for you, is that? Yes, yeah. Correct? Yeah, third yeah. batch, yeah. So so here you are, you're on a roll. Release one comes, goes. Release two comes and goes. And and then all of a sudden, you know, hurry up and stop. How do you think that that affects, if at all, how do you think it affects the growth of of your own brand? And what have you been doing during this downtime to make sure that people are remembering, you know, infrequent flyers? Uh, the, the, t- the timing is, is tricky because the, the, fir- the first, you know, two or three years are always the kind of pivotal years when you're, you're trying to build your, your awareness and, and a following. Um, and, you, you know, as you said, you're trying to build that momentum and then suddenly something like this comes along. But, you know, yeah. this, this, is, this is something that is affecting everybody in the world so um it's kind it's not ideal but at the same time uh it gives me a a little bit more time to take a pause and you know instead of instead of bringing out as many single casks this year Mm. you know i might have done three batches this year the likelihood is that I'll, i'll maybe only do two but that then gives me an opportunity to, to leave some of the, the whiskey in, in certain types of cask for a longer period. Oh, okay. Yeah. Get a bit more age, get a bit more of that interaction if, it, if it's a re-rack cask. Um, so you, you kind of move your, your inventory along a little bit. Um, and normally, you, in, in, in business, you never, you never, this is quite a unique situation, whereas whilst, it's, it's 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 a terrible situation from a health point of view and it's terrible from a, a, an economic point of view it's it's a forced pause where people actually would never take a pause mm-hmm. so yeah. if, yeah. if, if if and i understand that you know the implications of this are going to be dreadful for 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 a lot of people um if you're able to try and take some positives out of it which is you know actually that you can just slow down a little bit mm. um then you know, find them, find those positives where where you can. But get getting back to what you were saying, it's uh, it would have been good this year. I, you know, I, I, I was I was planning to do some tasting events and some festivals, which, which I didn't do that many of last year to really okay. try and get the get the brand out there. Um, and I, <laughs> you know, it's it's so difficult um, now. So yeah, and what have I been doing? Uh, well, I'm 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 really useless at technology but i managed to set up a facebook page so <laughs> I, saw, I saw that and liked it oh thank you thank you as long as it works <laughs> <laughs> well it's kind of interesting because when when i interviewed you um and months mean absolutely nothing to me but Whenever that month was uh, last year, maybe. I think it was uh, October. October. Okay. I'm sure, it was good. October. Thank you. October of 2019, and and we kind of at one point in the interview talked about you and I've been talking about the future of the industry as long as I've known you, and we we talked in the interview. What did you see for the future? 
at no point did you mention a global pandemic. And so I have to say, Ali, I'm a little disappointed. I think you need to check back in the recording. I think you've edited that bit out. <laughs> I, I think, you know what, now that you mention it, I remember you saying something. We've got this COVID thing that we're going to have to <laughs> sort out come March. I'd li- literally just been on the phone to Bill Gates prior to that. And we, were, we, were, we were just chatting about it. No, um, It's funny, though, because I, 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 at the time, you know, people got hung up on... There was obviously all, all this stuff going on with Brexit, and mm-hmm. uh, yep. at the same time, literally when, when you were over, Jason, the the whole issue with the the tariffs um, between the yeah. US and the EU mm-hmm. on, on whiskey mm-hmm. was was kicking off, and that which that are still in place, still in place, um, and that that was obviously quite an issue at the time. But all of these things seem so insignificant now uh, uh, compared to what what's been going on in the last few weeks that. You know, you, you worry about and get uptight about these things and then something massive comes along uh, that nobody saw coming and, and just kind of blows all that stuff out, out of the water. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's that immediacy of family, right? You're, you're there every day staring your family in the face, wondering how you can do your best by them. In the meantime, thinking about the company and how do you continue to promote the company and and even what next steps look like, uh, even like you're saying on you know May seven with the the government coming back together again to say, will we release the lockdown? Will we remain in lockdown? It's hard as a company owner to even plan the next yeah. three weeks. Yep. let alone the next three months, let alone the rest of the year. You're just in this ongoing holding pattern. But I like the way earlier you turned that into a positive, though, because I do I do recall when you and I were talking, you were talking about that balancing act between bringing in newly purchased casks and sitting on some re-racks, mm-hmm. uh, as you had said, getting to put your personality uh, into a whiskey and into a release. And now suddenly that opportunity has arisen. It's, it's, yeah, and it is one, it is one of, the, it's one of the, the, the great things about working with whiskey is that, you know, time is always is, is this great thing that, that, that if you don't sell a cask or, and you can leave it in the wood for longer, then it's, it's only going to improve the situation. Um, whereas in a lot of other industries, if you have unsold stock, um, it, it decreases in value. Sure. Um, whereas, whereas here you've got assets that increase in value and in quality, um, and it, it's and I, I do I do think whiskey I think whiskey in general as an industry is is, is quite robust. You know, um, at, at the moment people can't go out to to bars and, and restaurants, and that that may continue for quite some time. But sort of people that that we have as customers, you know, yourselves and me, you know. A lot mm-hmm. of these people will will buy uh, to consume at home, um, and will purchase online. And and whilst people can't spend money to go to a restaurant, they might decide that they want to treat themselves to this cask or this bottle of cask Y X, you know, whatever it is. And and suddenly the the, the home bar starts to uh, get a bit more priority than than the you know the the normal on on premise. Um, that said, I'd, I'd love to get back to the pub just to have a, a, a draft pint. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, yeah, it's, it's been interesting for us in, in the US seeing, on one hand, there's an uptick in retail sales, liquor sales. Uh, on the other hand, 
we're trying and, and Joshua is trying his damnedest to get distributors to place orders to yeah. actually bring in the product that a key number of consumers want to purchase. Mm. And so right now, we're not getting the sense that there's a, a focus on the independent bottlers, the more esoteric releases, when there's money to be made on your bulk Jack Daniels, your bulk Southern yeah. Comfort, your yeah. bulk vodka. Like those, those are pushing real hard. And while we know who our consumers are who are calling for our products, there's that there's that middleman that you just can't quite yeah. get through. You've got, yeah, you've you've got to persuade them of, of the merit of, of these kind of more specialist items. Over, exactly, over the, yeah. The exactly. Every, everyday um, consumption items. I think what you, you kind of nailed it with it's the uncertainty. Um, if if you knew when things were going to change, you you could plan for it, but. And understandably, I suppose we're we're not we're not being given that that those those kind of time scales uh, mm. at the moment. Joshua, have I held you out of this conversation as well? This is this <laughs> the second conversation, and actually third conversation in a row where where you, you've done that. You've monopolized our guests' time. Um, I I did have a question. This is just a, a peek behind the curtain for our listeners, and if if you're not comfortable sharing, then then just say that, that yeah. that's totally fine. Give them a moment to put some pants on before we peek behind the curtain. <laughs> <laughs> this is lockdown living. <laughs> but, you know, we we as independent bottlers are, are still getting lists put in front of us. Of course, samples are, you know, almost non-existent. Well, they've been, for the most part, non-existent anyway. But the way we've always worked <laughs> <laughs> is anything that we're that we're going to bottle, we have to taste first, right? And but now we're getting into what you're doing. Uh, we're we're buying casks of whiskey that we see potential in, putting it in new wood, and, and, and doing all that. But I'm curious as you're as you've built out release number three, and, and I'm sure you're probably thinking about release number four. Um, but release number four is actually written down on a piece of paper right next to me. <laughs> that's 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 how much time I have in my hands at the moment. <laughs> is that the one that's Talisker, Lagavulin, Macallan? Like it's going to be a hell of a release, a hell of a. You've release. forgotten about the uh, the the uh, the Spring Bank and the uh, the Rose <laughs> Bank and uh, the St Magdalene. Uh, obviously, all of those. <laughs> oh, and that lockside that you're doing. Oh, I remember you telling me about yeah. that 53-year-old lockside. Oh. Yeah. Um but but how how has the the back end of things affected what you're looking for in release number 4? And you mentioned that the the bottling hall had shut down, but like what else is happening? What else has this pandemic done to how you work? So, what, one of the things that I, I, I was not able to do, um, I was I was planning. I had some stock that was was sitting at uh, some other warehouses that I wanted to move to um, to Glenallachie, where I, I, I tend to I try and relocate most of my casts up to Glenallachie because um, I, I I do all my re-racks up there, um, and it's nice to just have have the liquid there, so that if you want to mm. do something with it, it, it's already in situ, um, but. 
whilst the transport company that I worked with were still operational, a lot of the distillers um, where I had cask sitting had basically closed. So you, you, you've not been able to get access to, to certain casks. Um, that, that will change. I mean, some, some distilleries are open and still operating. Other distilleries are, are just completely closed for the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think all of the visitor centres have been have been shut because that that just wouldn't be allowed. And then obviously uh, bottling, we've just, some some bottles are open, some bottles closed, and then reopened. Yeah. Um, so there there are I mean there are still probably quite a, a lot of the aspects of the the whole production side of the thing that are still working. But everybody's everybody will have difficulty. Even the big boys, um, you know. Who maybe had to shut their bottling plant might might start to see a little bit of pressure on getting mm. that you know case goods um, that they'll, they'll have to catch up on. In terms of my, from it probably did change what I was going to put, and I, I never I never usually plan these things too far in advance, so um, I, I I might not have looked at the the fourth batch as soon as now, um, but as I said, I had a bit of time. And it, it meant it was going to it was going to come out later than it would have, so I may have changed the products that would have gone in there. So it's given me a little bit more flexibility uh, in terms of what to do with with, with the stock. And, and as I said, some okay. some some casts will be pushed back to next year that, that might have appeared at, at, at some point this year. Um, it's uh, just it's no go on. I just wonder if the way you were talking about the hope for 2020 was three releases. Now you reckon the reality will be two releases. Yeah. That means your fourth release, the second of this year, will be your OND release. And so maybe that changes how you start thinking about Christmas buying, holiday shopping, you know, flavour profiles for that time of year instead of maybe a, a more summery profile. Oh, Does no, that that's play that, I, I'm, I'm not as, as intelligent as that. I, I just get, All right, okay. Get, get, okay get we're giving away some internal secrets here. <laughs> <I'm sure. laughs> get, get the whiskey the out there. Out. Get it, just get it, get it out there. Okay. Um, cut, cut, cut his mic. Cut his mic. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, I mean, we, we, we probably... Uh, my old my old company, you know, you had to you had to plan for seasonal um, demand, etc. Obviously, the last quarter was always um, the busiest, and you, you can sell a huge amount of whiskey during that time. But I, I find with single casks, I actually found I found last year that um, certainly in the UK, a lot of the retailers were 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 less focused on on single cask releases in the fourth quarter. Because it was a period when people were buying gifts and were, were maybe going for um, household names or oh, you know yeah. a, a official distillery bottle products and and hmm. the less I think it, 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 esoteric was the word you used so they were maybe looking for the less esoteric products and, and the hmm. more standard interesting so it's almost it's almost like kind of flipped from like my old job where where that was the key the key period. Hmm. Um, but I think I think this this year is going to be such a strange year that you, you just don't know how things are going to are going to go and it, what will be will will be and hopefully next year things things will be back in a an even an even queue but who knows? Well, thank you for your time today, Ali. That's all right. Listen, I'm 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 I'm, I'm going back out into the garden. I'm going to I might even have a beer. Um, it's nice and sunny. <laughs>
it's always a pleasure spending time with Ali Walker. We we say this all the time. We yeah. say it on the podcast. We tell him in person. We, we've gone for drams and some mm-hmm. dinner with him and told right. him. It's just always terrific. If, as we talked about after Ian Robertson's portion, if you'd like to return to our previous episode with Ali Walker and catch up with the full conversation that we had with him long before there was ever an idea of there being a global pandemic. He is season three, episode 23. Perfect. And he kicked off the year 2020. Uh, I think we posted January 1st or 2nd, uh, my conversation with him. You know, given how wonderful that conversation was, who knew that a mere two and a half, three months later, um, you know, 2020 started off lovely, didn't continue going lovely. Hence yeah. this episode. Um, yeah, geez, when we launched season four with our John Glazer interview, it was like, where were we at that point? What was that, March? March 1, February 28, something, something like, like that. that. Yeah, 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 very end of February, very beginning right. of March, somewhere around there. Right? Like, even, even then, we didn't quite know what the immediate future held for all of us and One Nation Under Whiskey. So anyway, 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 who, who else do we have? Who's next, Joshua? I'm excited to, to return to our next guest. So we, we kicked off the episode with uh, two good Scots folks, right? Uh, Ian Robertson and then Allie Walker. Mm-hmm. And now we are going to move on to a couple of Americans, albeit separate interviews. And Indeed. I thought it would be nice to get our first uh, female voice, uh, first of two in this episode. So let's go over to Holly Sidewand, who will talk to us about how COVID is affecting her role as the national uh, brand ambassador for Bacardi Malts, Malt Distilleries. Uh, it looks like you have something you wanted to add here, Jason. Yeah, it was interesting. As we reached out to set up these interviews for our first couple of guys here, yeah. we got the response, hit me up anytime I'm sitting here more than happy to talk. Yeah. When, I heard, when we heard back from Holly, she was the first person to talk about how busy she's been during the lockdown right and it and it was a perfect setup to our interview where when you and I sat down with her albeit remotely it really was one of those things where we got to say so let's talk about how busy you've been and I, and I thought it was a, again a lovely juxtaposition from where we just had our conversation with a distiller and an independent bottler yeah yep yeah perfect so let's Let's hand it over to to Holly, hear what she has to say, and uh, and we'll meet you all back here in around fifteen ish minutes. Uh, so so first of all, how is how is the lockdown treating you? What is life looking like, just just for you as Holly, private citizen? Private citizen. Um, well, I guess 
everyone's probably, I'm, I'm based out of New York City. I am a fake New Yorker because I live in Weehawken, New Jersey, but I did go to upstate New York. So oh. uh, I know we weren't uh-huh. supposed to do that. So, but so. <laughs> oh, Dr. Fauci listens to this every I just episode. wanted to be closer to Cuomo, I guess, right? I just, you know, wanted to be up closer to him, <laughs> keep an eye on him, see what was going on. Um, so I'm up here in Albany, but I have been every week or two weeks, I've been going back down, not seeing anyone, just going back to to my apartment and actually checking on my whiskey bottles and bringing new whiskey um, oh, wow. back up mm-hmm. and uh, getting a few new shirts to wear. So, <laughs> so give us a sense of where, where is Albany in relation to New York City? Uh, with no traffic. So right now it's about two and a half hours straight north. So right up okay. to the throughway. Oh, yeah. Okay, how close yep. is that to you, Joshua? Albany is, it's probably also about two and a half hours, but I get I get to drive a bit north. I go through Massachusetts into upstate New oh, wow. York. So I get okay. to avoid all of the New York. Okay. And you get the Berkshires, stuff. right? Do you drive yeah, through yeah. the nice Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yep. It's a, it's a nice ride and Albany's a nice little town. I like it. Okay. And so you just have a place in Albany? Oh no, my um my boyfriend lives up here. So, um, yeah, he lives up here and, uh, he actually works for Regeneron, which is one of the companies that is working on some, some things for, uh, for COVID. So, um, so yeah, he has to be, be near everything, but with, uh, with on-premise with bars and restaurants being closed, I do have a few accounts that are doing, you know, and and working on that to go menu and obviously the retailers, Mm. but you know, that's, a lot of them don't want to see people and it's more of being, we have to be present in new ways. So I'm not necessarily mm. needed um, down in the city, which is you know obviously different for a lot of people in a lot of different roles. Sure, sure. Uh, wow. One of the, I do have a, we've got two questions existing in my head at the same time here. Um, <laughs> I want to ask you professionally, what you're what you're doing and, and you just started to allude to that there but I'm also curious when we spoke with you earlier this year earlier in 2020 we were talking about the work you were doing with the Bacardi brand single malt distilleries and you were kind of introducing those to people and educating people on those did did the lockdown just throw up a massive hump in the road in front of you there? How much of that screeched to a halt? And how much of that are you trying to overcome while working Mm -hmm. through lockdown? Of course, yeah. And I mean, I think just whiskey in general and even more so specifically scotch too, we are fortunate uh, that retailers and off-premise, as we call it, is a huge piece of the puzzle for us. Obviously, consumers are very interested in our category and you know they're they're your listeners to your podcast and the people that buy your independent bottlers people are are still going out and hungry for that information you know where other vodka brands and gin brands I mean once you cut off that bar and restaurant mentality I mean obviously people buy it in the retail shops but it's not a hunger for education it's more of just becomes a necessity at that point um so, mm-hmm. I mean, we're a little bit fortunate that we still have some legs to stand on where 
consumers are still want to hear about the brands, even though they're not in bars and restaurants and, you know, the retailers Mm -hmm. want to talk about the whiskey category. So there's still a little bit to be done, but, uh, it definitely slowed, slowed the role for, for everyone. So, so, so what are you doing? Are you doing zoom tastings, zoom meetings, zoom, (laughs) what have you zoom everything? Are you emailing, (laughs) you know, social media? How's, How's the getting the word out? How's the having the conversation looking during lockdown? Well, you know, what's been interesting too is that, you know, we're all on social media and know different people that maybe we've we've never met or we just know through these different social connections and things like that. And now yeah. that everyone is getting on Zoom and Instagram Live and all these, now I feel like I know what everyone looks like. So that's interesting, right? I'm not, I'm physically not seeing everyone, but I'm like, oh, that's what he looks like. Oh, didn't know that. Thank you, uh, Instagram Live and Facebook Live for showing me what this friend I've had on social media for so long looks like. But um, which is kind of creepy in a way. Where, uh, um, uh-huh. but yeah, I mean, it's. I think everyone's trying to wrap their heads around these video calls and, and tastings. And I've seen you, you both talk about it as well. It's tricky because state by state is different. Can you ship samples for tastings or is it just purely educational? And mm-hmm. every state is different. And, you know, you're trying to, to help the retailers and the restaurants that are still open. And, you know, consumers are still anxious about doing certain things. So most of my time, you know, we are a bigger company, so we're not trying to dabble in the necessarily ship things all over the place. Um, so we're mm-hmm. trying to mm-hmm. really focus on internal trainings. You know, we have a, a huge Bacardi sales force throughout the United States where now we have an opportunity to have their, I guess, almost undivided attention to, to train mm-hmm. them and, mm-hmm. and wow. try and yeah. get you know, more overarching consumer and, and trade, uh, education tools out there. So not just about our brands, but showing, you know, the different regions of Scotland and being able to offer whatever, uh, the consumer might be hungry for. Um, and it's tricky now because everyone's in this space, right? So we're now all fighting for that Wednesday at 6 PM Eastern (laughs) standard time, time slot. Um, Yeah, you know, and everyone's yeah. a, a whiskey expert and everyone's a category expert, which I think is great. I mean, it's getting, you know, it's the conversations are amazing and they're happening regularly, but it's a, yeah, it's the wild west all of a sudden. So it's a, it's a fight on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm curious, you know, as you're, you mentioned it before, you know, on-premise accounts. So those are, those are your bars and your restaurants for our listeners, uh, you know, for the most part, they're they're all shut. You can't go into bars. You can't go into restaurants. Depending on your state, you're lucky if you can get some cocktails to go. Or some bars and restaurants can actually sell beer. They can sell bottles of wine. Some are able to sell spirits. But for the most part, there's just not a lot happening with on premise. And so I've got a I've got a two part question for you. And if this is a bit too probing, let me know and I can I can reframe the question for you. When it comes to your single malt brands, did you have a strategy of a certain percent percentage of your focus is for retail and a certain percentage of your focus is for the bar and restaurant community? And then secondly, as we're now basically month two in into this, I mean, we're 
pretty much month two into this whole quarantining thing, are you seeing a shift in in what's being sold from more higher dollar items to some lower dollar items? Like, how are you seeing it all play out within the within your world and your five distilleries? For sure, and that's the the first question in all of the meetings is that. Obviously, there was a quick surge in once it was announced. And I'm kind of speaking to the Northeast a little bit. I know it happened in different waves for different people. But for anyone, once that announcement is that bars and restaurants are closing, it's that immediate rush to the liquor store because they're worried that the liquor yeah. stores are going to close, which obviously sure. they're deemed essential. So yeah. everyone is is breathing easy now. But it was that initial <laughs> rush. So. We saw a little bit of an uptake there, but then it was kind of the the calming of, okay, we don't need to stock up that heavily. So how how is that unfolding? And that's where we're at now, right? What are, people are kind of easing into a routine. They maybe already mm. blew through all their box wine and their, what they were, you know, <laughs> the, the, the things that they thought they couldn't live without with, stocked up on some whiskey, yeah. but now... You know, where is the education that's out there having people more interested in other brands and trying new bottles? And obviously, the economy comes into play. Um, you know, I think there's different waves of it. Uh, and I would say we have felt in the single malts world that it's been a little quiet on some of the more expensive brands, right? People are not mm-hmm. sure where the economy is going or what's going to happen with their jobs in three weeks, six months. Mm -hmm. Um, There's just so much uncertainty that I think people are a little hesitant, but Aberfeldy 12 has been doing really well. Um, And so I think we're seeing pockets and we're we're trying to understand from a psychological perspective of why certain things are are doing well. So we've been fortunate to have a a decent hold in, in the retailer market, but Aberfeldy is also a huge... Uh, we have a huge cocktail presence with Aberfeldy 12 in bars and restaurants. It's a, really? it's a really? price point. Well, mm. I say huge, obviously, you know, it's not uh, on every menu. Uh, we're not the uh, Grey Goose for, cocktail martini, but. but. But probably in the world of comparative 12-year-old single malts, you're, you've got good presence. Yeah, we're playing in that, that monkey shoulder and Livet Founders Reserve sort oh, of, wow. you know, penicillin, okay. potentially elevated old-fashioned, you know, highball, you know, this sort of, this sort of whiskey world. And we are a stellar price for a 12-year-old single malt. So there's a lot of value in being able to put that on the menu too. So we actually do very, very well across the country with Aberfeldy 12 and cocktails, which it's not, I'm not, I'm not amazing hmm. cocktails, but it's obviously, it's a great opportunity to get more people into scotch. I mean, it's, it's always been that way, but, Mm. um, it's, uh, that's obviously a huge hit as well. So we're seeing it kind of, you know, weave back and forth to, uh, where we think, okay, off premise can hold us through on some of these brands, but obviously then we're lacking, um, in some of the others. So it's really just refocusing and seeing how we can help our retailers and, and our partners that are doing to go cocktails and supporting our markets Texas and Florida that are reopening because their needs might be different as well. So, cause their spending habits are going to change too, unfortunately. So 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's it's that dance of how much stock are you sitting on, and and are you ready to buy? You know, is are you comfortable? So, yeah, um, yeah it's been uh, we get new numbers every day. <laughs> so. <laughs> 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 so, so obviously we can we can sit and talk to you for much longer than this, Holly. Um, just in in keeping you know to the ten fifteen minutes that we talked about, what do you envision? And I know it's a difficult question. It's it's really I don't think we've got enough information right now to look into the crystal ball and to really see where we're going. But do you have a a sense in, in living this life of what the rest of 2020 might look like? Or, or are you just living with hopes right now for what the rest of 2020 might look like? Yeah, I think um, everyone's trying to figure figure that out, right? And trying to read that crystal ball. And I think that from a brand ambassador standpoint, our jobs are going to change and obviously already have changed if we're fortunate enough to have kept them. Um you know, a lot of our industry mm. has not been so, so fortunate. And so, you know, step one was trying to support them. And now it's trying to figure out how do we support them and how do we figure out how we pivot in this situation? Because we don't know how consumers are going to feel to come to a big Aberfeldy Barrels and Bees event. And mm. the account and mm-hmm. the, the bar might want it, but we don't know how do customers feel about yeah. that. And so... You know, we're kind of yep. dancing on uh, a system where we're probably going to stick to a lot of this Zoom activity, um, and we're already looking into some different programming around green screens and how to have interactive classes and be able to pull people from lots of different, um, hmm. more kind of a virtual reality experience. I mean, we're really trying to figure out ways that it could be a year until customers really feel comfortable going out in the groups that they used to, let alone yeah. what your state yeah. tells you you're allowed to do, yeah. you know? So I think it's a yeah. much longer road. Yep. Or, or what that on-premise looks like yeah. when you get there, right? If there's still social distancing and what does a server look like and what are they allowed to touch? It could be so I think a very different realm. You know, I do feel fortunate that we're in a category that, you know, does tend to be drank neat, um, and on the rocks to explore. And yes, cocktails for sure. Cocktails are a little bit trickier. I mean, you can watch a video until you're blue in the face of a cocktail, but it's it's easier to go to a bar, right? And obviously we're missing that social connection, mm-hmm. but at least with whiskey, we can look at the access that we've had to master distillers and blenders and that are coming on screen that we usually don't get access to like that. So I think it's yeah. there's a lot of good things that can come out of it for our whiskey category, but man, we're going to have um, a, some growing pains, just like every industry, to figure out. I think it really comes down to what are what are consumers comfortable with, and I don't know mm-hmm. what they're what they're going to be comfortable. I mean, I think about myself, and I feel comfortable, but I also, you know, I'm thinking about what am I going to bring out with me. You know, my mask, my hand sanitizer, mm. will I take the subway? Will I, how far will I go? Would I want it to be in walking distance? And so that's just me thinking about those things. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 Uh, for me, it's it's shocking how quickly it has all changed. Like even going to the grocery store, you know, we've, we've only been on lockdown for a couple of months, 
but my thinking is is not where it was two months ago. You just stroll in, you pick up some things. If you don't remember everything, you'll go back in a few days. Uh Like now it's, okay, where am I in the store? Who's around me in the store? What way is the arrow facing in the store? Like two months, I'm I'm more amazed at how quickly our our psyche has changed. And I think to your point, it's going to take us a little bit of time to unravel that. Uh, and to go back to feeling comfortable and safe and to enjoy being out in space again. <laughs> and space not being the final <laughs> frontier anymore, but being a local bar right. or restaurant. I know. And it's, um, <laughs> you know, I think about it in the way that I always felt that we were headed. One of the reasons I got into whiskey was because I loved the social human interaction of it. You know, I went and showed up at distilleries yeah. and wanted to sit with people at bars and and you know, physically be with people and, and that human interaction. And I already felt that was being lost in a way with our different technologies and social medias. And it w- I always felt like we're bringing it back with whiskey, right? It's a, it's a glue that can keep that. Yeah. And that's, that's really what keeps me up at night is I just don't want to lose that from this. And, and that does mm. worry me a bit because you know, that's part of our community is that being together and, and talking about the whiskey and over the internet is great and over Zoom, but that physically being with those people and having those moments, and that's for lots of things, but for whiskey in our category, that's what drew me into it, one of the main reasons. And that's mm. what I'm, keeps me up at night, I would say, is losing that. Yeah, one of the things that that I I miss greatly and I don't see it coming back very soon is, you know, when you're out with a bunch of people, right? And you all go out to a bar, good whiskey bar. And, you know, let's say it's six, eight of you. Everybody gets a whiskey. They don't tell you what it is, but we all pass it around. Ooh, try this. What's that? Give, you know, and, and, you know, two months ago, three months ago, you went into that thinking, okay, we're all drinking Castrenth whiskey. Uh, that alcohol will probably kill any germs. And if it doesn't, I catch someone else's cold, whatever, I catch someone else's cold. We've all had colds before. And now, you know, just just to think about sitting around and passing a glass around, like, I'm desperate for that. But I, I just, that level of comfort, I don't see it coming back for a good long time, you know? And, yeah. and Jason... Just as you had mentioned before, you know, just two months ago, life was so very different. I remember going to an Indian restaurant with my family, and there was this older couple sitting there, you know, obviously sitting next to one another with the other side of the table empty. So obviously they're waiting for for some friends to arrive. The friends arrive. Now, now this is probably early March. And and the older woman says, uh, I know, are we supposed to hug? I know we're not supposed to hug. And they ended up hugging. And I remember thinking, oh, geez, that's, they're really taking all this business serious. That's kind of yeah. that's kind of silly. <laughs> and here we are. And like like you guys said, you know, it's, don't come too close. Like six feet, please. We're avoiding you know, people and, on the sidewalk. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. it makes me feel yeah. like a very terrible person, but I don't know what's right anymore. And I really, I don't, I don't like that. I don't like that. No, no, not at all. Well, well, 
it's been nice talking to you for a little bit today. <laughs> yes, well, yeah, thanks for chatting. And one of the things too, I, you know, normally I'm fortunate to be bouncing around to different bars and, you know, talking with lots of different people and hitting different accounts. And, you know, I would walk on average four to six miles a day because I like to walk a lot. And, and I looked mm-hmm. at my phone the other day and obviously I don't, you know, have it in my pocket everywhere, but doing a lot of work from home on the computer, Zoom trainings and meetings and, you know, all of that. And I, it was five o'clock and I was like, let me see what I've walked today. I had oh, walked no. 10 steps, <laughs> 10. <laughs> And I thought to myself, well, I'm about to cut off about 10 years of my life from this situation. Yeah. Like, yeah. I just, uh, I was like mm-hmm. the cardiovascular things that I used to, but 10, I mean, I don't even think my phone cared to track it. I think it was like, well, whatever, let's just call it zero at that point. You sat in bed all day. That's what it looked like. Holy cow. So that was my story. I was like, I have to go outside for walks in the middle of the day. You know, I can't, I can't sit yeah. here and... Yeah, we've been we've been sending our boys outside, like go for a bike ride, take the dog for a walk, go run around in the yard, and they're like, eh, mm, I can't can't see my friends, can't play with my friends, can't go to my friends, yeah, and they're thirteen and ten, like that's not where they should be, let alone where adults Time are. To go out for our walk, right? Right? <laughs> We're like, yeah, yeah, I don't, exactly. Man. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, great uh, to see okay. you both. Thank and you. Yeah. I, you know, you've offered so much great content for us to all listen to and to keep us busy and and whiskey hungry. So glad you're both doing well. <laughs> cheers. 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 Yeah. Hopefully, people are enjoying two and a half hour podcasts while they're. I think they are. Trust me. And, and an extra podcast a week. <laughs> Just like you and I were talking about with Ali Walker, when we'd had the conversation with them back last September, October, somewhere around there, there, we then launched the episode in early January. We had no idea what the future held for us. Interestingly, you and I (laughs) sat down with Holly in a bar in New York City in the end of January, beginning of February. Yeah, we... it was a February day and it was balmy for a February day. Yeah. Yep. And and right before we recorded with the drummers uh, later that right. evening, yeah. which, and, and, and again, I, I know we, we just had this in the interview, but, but I, I just want to take a moment to return to the thought that end of January, beginning of February, again, we were sitting with no idea what, what lay ahead even though globally speaking, it was clear what was going down in China and clear yeah. what looked like it was starting to come west. But at that point, you and I still had calendar dates lined up, tastings lined up, a trip to Scotland lined oh, up. yeah. Yeah. I mean, at, at that point, we were, we had definitely heard of the coronavirus, but I was still very much in the mode of, let's make Corona and Lyme jokes. And that's no longer a thing, right? That was before uh, much of the world. Right? Well, you know, 
here we are sitting sitting in a place where stuff tends to not touch you, right? You, you heard about the yeah, Zika virus, so. which which stayed more in Central and South America, and you heard about H1N1, Ebola. which came here, but, you know, it didn't do too much. You heard about Ebola, you heard about, you know, the bird flu, like all this stuff, and it just Bird flu, and it made it to Toronto, Canada. Yeah. But didn't go beyond that in, in, mm. in any significant way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think you're right. We absolutely felt insulated. So if you want to revisit the conversation we had with Holly Sidewand in New York City, in person, um, she was season four, episode three. And if you are going to listen back, make sure to put your nerd glasses on because mm-hmm. Holly gets good and nerdy uh, about whiskey and, and really talks about the importance of having an understanding of the whiskey world writ large to inform how she sells her single malts from the five Bacardi distilleries she's, she's working with. It was a really lovely conversation with her. Yep, very much so. Could not agree more. Jason, this is now our second and final American in the uh, in this COVID episode, and this is someone who lives pretty close to you, maybe within an hour and a half, maybe two hours. Uh, right. right in that window, yep. Scott Harris from the Catoctin Creek Distilling Company. Yeah, yeah, long, long time friend of ours. We've we've known him from way back in the blogging days. Oh, and yeah. the f- the fact that I am lucky enough to have him and Becky just an hour and three quarters up the road is really wonderful. And as a result, they've they've appeared in a few episodes that we've had. Mm-hmm. Our most recent episode with them was season three, episode sixteen, yep. where we talk about the special project that we've put in effect. Yes, 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 yes. Which is a wonderful, wonderful little project. Yeah, can't. can't. Uh, seeing, oh. seeing the second uh, cask sample being pulled from that uh, was was lovely. And I don't want to give too many hints here, because I want our listeners to go back and listen to that episode to see what we may be talking about. Maybe they missed that episode or maybe they listened to it and want to return to it to hear what we're hinting about. Well, and season three, episode 16 also pivots on what we get into a little bit in today's conversation about those tariffs. So here you have an American craft producer, very much a family run operation, very much build a family around them on the production side of things. Really wonderful, wonderful, warm human beings. And now they're grappling with COVID on one side, the lockdown, the shuttering of restaurants and bars, that on-premise side of the business. Mm-hmm. Then you've also got the tariffs and what's getting out to Europe looking like and how do you continue to hit your projections. <sighs> uh, there, there, there's a lot, an awful lot going on. I will also say very quickly before we turn over to Scott Harris, mm-hmm. because again, they're so close, we also have season two, episode 12, where... It's me in person 
yeah, having an interview yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. with Scott and Becky. But it's it's another nice nerdy conversation about production. Uh, Becky Harris really gets to stretch her her nerd wings in this mm-hmm. one, and uh, and really get to go to town. So yeah, it's always a magnificent conversation. Uh, when I get to spend my time with them, and when we keep inviting you down to Virginia. Uh, to come see them in person yourself and see the new facility that I think they've now been in for five years. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Which is one of those great numbers that you can just throw around. So um, yeah, yeah, they've they've been waiting that long for you to step inside the building, Joshua. I, my hope, my hope is that in 2020, that will be a real thing. If it can happen in 2021, I think we'll be doing okay. I think so too. So, (laughs) Scott Harris, have at it. Scott, I want to thank you for joining us. So far in this COVID series, we've interviewed uh, a distiller, a brand ambassador, and an independent bottler. And we wanted to talk with you as well because... Thus far, we, we've not spoken with an American producer, and if I'm understanding correctly, you know, your business has changed quite a bit because of COVID, and I wonder if you can go into that, what, what you've done, how you've changed distilling. I think you've done some hand sanitizers and, and things like that. Um, how it may be affecting your sales, if at all. Maybe your sales are booming. We're, we're hearing that in, in some pockets. Like, what is COVID doing to your day in, day out for Kentucky yeah, so, Creek? Um, it definitely has had a, a massive um, change in the past, um, really, six weeks. Um, the, the biggest thing was we pivoted in late March to doing hand sanitizer, uh, very quickly uh, ramped up mm-hmm. that program, and um, and that's done a number of things. Um, the, I guess to start at the beginning, you know, in sort of towards the last ten days or so of March, you know, things started to happen at an alarming rate. Like overnight, you know, things were happening. The governor was issuing stay-at-home orders, all of this kind of stuff, and so we could kind of see this coming. And so the first thing we we did was we basically made available to the public um, all of the disposal alcohol that we would have otherwise sent to a recycler, um, basically Hmm. waste alcohol. These are the cuts of whiskey and gin that are not drinkable cuts, right? So we're talking predominantly, um, since we use heads for cleaning here, predominantly tails cuts of both whiskey and gin. And, and, okay. and therefore, kind of funky, definitely very aromatic, um, but not drinkable alcohol. Though That was released to the public for free. So we figured, you know, this is waste. We would otherwise pay to get rid of it. Um, we'll just sure. give it away. And we had 55 gallons of that, and we just gave it away. Bring your own container kind of stuff. Um, and at this point, the regulations were still developing. There were no regulations or even advisories <laughs> from any agencies as to what was legal. Yeah. And so there was a question if what we were doing was legit or not. And I, I was like, you know, I dare somebody to come and arrest me. You know, this would be the best publicity <laughs> ever, you know, trying to save the community and having having me hauled off in handcuffs. Um, the uh, 
But anyway, we gave that all away very quickly to police stations, the FAA and Leesburg, which is a big um, mid-Atlantic control center for air traffic, um, and places like that. Um, mm-hmm. At that time, we were able to see the demand for this hand sanitizer. And so we very quickly picked up um, an order for 1,000 gallons of bulk ethanol. Um, now, oh, this wow. is this is key because we cannot make alcohol high enough proof um, or cheap enough to use it as hand sanitizer ourselves. So we never mm-hmm. made our own sanitizing alcohol apart from the waste alcohol we were giving away um, yeah. because – the, uh, I mean, we're a whiskey distillery. You know, we deal in low-proof alcohol. We don't have a vodka column, and I'm not going to run something 23 times through my still to get it high enough proof for it to be legal for the FDA, which is 80-plus percent. Okay. Um, so we, But we did have the permits in place, and so we were able to buy bulk alcohol. We bought 1,000 gallons at the beginning, which was four very large metric ton totes. Um, and, uh, and so... Um, having that in place, Becky, um, my wife, um, and our chief distiller, she was working very closely with the ACSA, the, the American Craft Spirits Association, to help define the formulations and get those approved by the FDA. Um, okay. And as it developed, we were able to get registered with the FDA. Um, that's not an easy process, but we were able to figure out how to do it and then share that with the rest of the community um, for um you know, for the ability to uh, them to do it as well. Um, And in the midst of having the thousand gallons, we also reordered another thousand gallons of that sanitizing alcohol, bulk ethanol, um, that we were able to use for the second batch. Um, The benefit of doing the sanitizer was, you know, all of our salespeople and our tasting room people would have been unemployed, right? We would have had Mm. to furlough every one of them because the tasting room was now mandated to be closed and the salespeople have absolutely nothing to do. And there's nobody calling on restaurants during this crisis sure. time. It would, it would be offensive to go into a restaurant yeah. trying to make yeah. a sale right now. Yeah. And so, um, so we were able to bring them in and say, okay, now your job is production. So you're going to help us produce this hand sanitizer. So we were making it by hand, stirring it in batches in these big cans, um, and then and then bottling it by hand with little spigots. And every bottle was you know hand filled from these little spigots. Wow. Um, and uh, so that was basically the focus of our month all the way through April, as getting that hand sanitizer out to the public. And at that time in the early days. Um, and this is only a month ago, like April 1st, um, hmm. you know, we were getting the phone ringing off the hook from places like the Virginia Department of Emergency Management, um, hmm. the local hospitals, police, sheriff's offices, the FAA, every single airport authority, um, wow. water facilities in Frederick, in Maryland, in Bethesda, you know, all these places that you had no idea were critical which were, you know, sewage treatment plants, which yeah. were critical to keep operating. So that was amazing. And, and we booked, you know, a ton of revenue in just getting that, selling it just above cost to cover my employees um, out to these places. And that was revenue that kept our business going, which was, we're grateful for that aspect of it. Um, my goodness. As we, as we, um, went further. So we had 2000 gallons on hand and we're making all this stuff. We started to become unable to obtain any more chemicals to do it. So the price of the bulk ethanol tripled 
in price. And we started to see some shenanigans in the supply chain where people could get really cheap, making the air quotes um, sign here, really cheap uh, bulk ethanol. But as it turned out, that bulk ethanol had come from fuel processing plants and was denatured with gasoline. And we oh, wow. cannot have that in here. And you would ask these wow. these vendors, is it is it is it food grade? Is it USP? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah it's fine. Well, do you have the papers? Oh no, we don't have them, you know, or whatever. And so people are getting uh, caught with this stuff in their facility, or the requirements for taking it on now. We're being told at the higher price is we we have to commit to a tanker truck. And we don't have mm. we don't have space for that, so mm-hmm. it became impractical and impossible for us to really continue the sanitizer. Mm. And so we we figured you know we did our part, and we need to get back to focusing on making whiskey. Um, we can't really do this, and other big companies like Diageo and and you know Purell and all these guys are really kind of filling in the gap now. I think and and making that stuff available at a much cheaper price than we could ever do. And that's it, right? Your economy of scale, you've, you've gone from doing your very best in an emergency situation to just not having the economy of scale. Right, right. Um, as you allude to there, it's now time to pivot back to the business at hand. What does that look like currently? We're, we're sitting here recording the middle of May. Yeah. How, how, do you, how do you get this started again? We would ordinarily, well, not ordinary, nothing's ordinary now. But mm-hmm. were it not for one particular thing, right now our business for whiskey would be decimated, I fear. Um, but the lifeline that was thrown to us was direct-to-consumer shipping in Virginia. Okay. So when the governor issued his executive order mandating a stay-at-home until June 10th, right on the heels of that, Virginia ABC, I'm very proud to say, was a leader in the nation of trying to deal with this crisis in a proactive um red cut red tape cutting way and they mm. allowed us to do direct to consumer shipping through FedEx and UPS um, and that was a lifeline and i think it's one of the first in the nation where we're actually able to ship directly from our distillery to the customer without having to go through any other any other things it still technically goes through the three tiers because everything that we sell is through the ABC which basically they are the distributor in Virginia um, but uh, oh, okay. what it what it gave us, I mean, we we learned about it um, on Friday afternoon. So I spent Saturday and Sunday getting a website set up with the products so that we could do sales. That was no small task. Um, and then by Monday we live stream or live uh, made made live, you know, went live with the uh, website, and uh, and that day we had eighty orders. Nice. And then Tuesday, we had 80 more orders. And then nice. Wednesday, we had 50 orders. And we were like, holy crap, what in the heck are we going to do? <laughs> you know, so we had to literally order pallets of shipping boxes and, you know, the filler that goes around the bottle yeah, exactly. and bubble wrap and all that stuff. We had turned our tasting room then. We weren't using it for tastings. So it became, you know, like an Amazon shipping warehouse. And even to this day, you know, there's big stacks of boxes stacked up against the wall. And every morning we have a team of interns now that come in and box up orders and ship them off to, to everybody um, so, so having the ability to sell directly to the customer in that first week, by the way, we had 10 X, 10 X, a normal week, a normal good week pre COVID, um, Whoa. in sales. So very, very positive. Of course, that's 
probably, you know, some goodwill from the hand sanitizer and probably, you know, some stocking up kind of behavior mm -hmm. at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And that number has come down and leveled off, but still the ability to continue to have bottle sales through all this downtime through direct-to-consumer has been absolutely essential to, to keeping our business going. And so right now your understanding is you'll be able to do that through June 10, at which point the governor will give another announcement on what the future of lockdown looks like in Virginia. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. So June 10 is the is the um, tentative, you know, end date of that, but they reserve the right to continue it further if, you know, conditions warrant. Um, and we would make a case, obviously, as a distiller that, uh, you know, this is not going to be, as the governor said, it's not a light switch, it's a dimmer switch, right? We're going to mm -hmm. be slowly ramping up, and we need to continue to have this ability um, until our businesses are fully back to normal, which could be the end of the year. Mm -hmm. So, and that, That's actually the, the next question for you is, is looking into the crystal ball. Mm -hmm. What do you see for the rest of 2020, and even what do you see into 2021? Yeah, you know, I was doing some research on the... Um, 1918 flu pandemic. And what's interesting, if you read through it, is that there was a major epidemic breakout, right, that happened. But then after that was over, they still had like five mini outbreaks that popped up in places like New York and, you know, different um, countries and places like that. And so, you know, little re-outbreaks that they kind of get back under control. And, uh, and I think this could be very much like that. Um, so if that happens, especially if some of the states are really eager to start back to business early and then they have a setback, um, you know, I think we're just going to have a lot of fits and starts um, in, a, in a good year, in a regular pre-COVID year. You know, coming into June, July, August was always a slow period for whiskey sales. So that was always a slow period, especially August um, mm -hmm. for us. Um, so, you know, I'm bracing for a devastatingly slow summertime uh, because of this, because I think we're still sort of people are still afraid to go out. Does that mean that we swing into the fall stronger? I don't know. I hope so. But uh, it could be something that hits us for the rest of the year. You know, it's just impossible to predict and, and I can't even do it. So I just have to prepare for the worst. Do you have production in place right now? Yeah. Or is we never stopped okay. we never stopped whiskey production. Um, okay. We were doing oh. seven seven shifts a week before and when COVID happened, um, and we started the sanitizer just to have a number of people that we could manage things, we cut our um, production down to five productions a week. But we were still mm. producing still quite a bit of whiskey while we were doing it. Okay. So okay. you're still laying down casks yeah, during this. Absolutely. Maybe not at the same rate. Just a slightly, what, 20% uh, less or yeah. something like that. Yeah. yeah that's wow. Phenomenal. Yeah. You remember when we had a, uh, the last time we, we, we had a conversation and our biggest worries were the, were the 25% tariffs of, of American whiskey to Europe. Things yeah. have, uh, things have changed quite a bit. Yeah. You, you've been so deep into that issue, Scott that when we've talked about it internally, the hope was if all of these producers are struggling so much in the face of a global pandemic, maybe the tariffs will simply go away or be lifted. Given how deep, deeply you've been uh, within that issue, was there ever a part of you thought 
they might be lifted or go away or no i I don't think they'll go away i think all attention you know this administration has the attention span for one object in front of them at a time and uh and that's all that's going to be it's going to be all this covid press conferences um and that's it i don't think we'll see tariff change until we see administration change simply put yeah yeah, and that that's certainly, you know, one of, one of the last times you and I spoke for the podcast was that was exactly your position then as well. Um, it's it's a shame that no, nothing has happened to make you think otherwise. Yeah. Would there have been the opportunity, given if the US remains on lockdown or, or has this kind of slow restart and Europe is, is farther ahead than the United States right now, UK excluded, um, do you think there would... Is there an opportunity there, even with 25% tariffs, to get some stock going back over to Europe, or that's a non-starter because of the 25% tariffs? Well, we, we're in a position where we already have some stock over there that was tariff paid, so we have stuff available to sell. European on-premise business and off-premise business has been affected the same way that it has over sure. here. On-premise yeah. is, is zero, and off-premise is um, you know picking up some of that slack, but not completely enough to replace all of that. Um, so if they start coming back to restaurants and bars, we may have some more opportunity over there, but I think it's going to be a slow trickle for the rest of the year. I don't anticipate shipping another pallet to Europe anytime soon. Okay. Has your has your business been primarily focused on, on on-premise restaurants and bars and such? No, it's a good question. Um, I, I would say our business follows fairly closely the industry standards, which is about 60-40, so about 60% off-premise and okay. 40% on-premise. That number has been skewed completely by COVID. So, you know, almost in Virginia, you know, probably now, this is very unusual for us, we're probably 90% tasting room sales, and that includes, you know, 100% basically DTC, wow. direct-to-consumer. Um, We used to be about 20% in Virginia of tasting room sales. So we still have sales through the ABC system, and the ABC system has remained open, but it's just swamped by the massive numbers that we're doing now in the tasting room. And we're shipping from the tasting room, you know, as far away as places like Lexington and Lynchburg and um, Mm -hmm. Norfolk, you know. So we're shipping, you know, four or five hours away. um, It's a big state. In In the private market like Maryland and D.C., where we, uh, you know, have, uh, you know, non-control state numbers to look at. Basically, what would have been typical was, as I said, 60% off-premise and 40% on-premise. In the April report, I was absolutely gobsmacked to see there was zero off-premise or on-premise, zero on-premise sales in, in the D.C. area at all. Mm. Like, not one single wow. restaurant on that report. And that is the first time I've ever seen anything like that. It was all liquor stores. Wow. And I would say we were off about 30%. Huh. So it wasn't zero, which was nice. I was glad to see that. You know, we were still making sales. But mm-hmm. um, but it, the, the uptick in the liquor stores wasn't enough to replace the loss of the restaurants. And that's counter to what you're hearing in the news media about how liquor store sales are booming and it's 300%. Mm. As far as I can tell, none of that is really realized in the market um, for me or anybody that I know. Yeah, yeah. Or, or the thing that we're seeing is it's all the kind of the, the home brands that's the Jack Daniels the Southern Comfort the, the Evan Williams you know the, 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 the cheapest yeah. chips right just get a handle or something 
Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, so our, our time is, has pretty much come and gone, as it always does. It's always a pleasure sitting and talking with you, Scott. You, you're so incredibly knowledgeable uh, and experienced, and that's not to say you're old. That's just to say you're, <laughs> you, you always know your business. Right. Um, one quick question for me is, before we, before we do get out of here, as you're seeing, within the state of Virginia, distillers have been agents of ABC. That's what's allowed you to sell on site. Right. The new wrinkle, as you've just described it, is you're now able to ship direct to a consumer. Do you think being able to show state government success in that arena, that shipping direct to consumer might remain after, yeah. after whatever we're experiencing is yeah is after through. COVID, um, uh, I think so. I, I think right now, I think there's a fifty fifty chance. Right in mm-hmm. January, there was a bill in the state legislature to do exactly this. Right, and all of the opposition at that time, I won't name the players, but all the opposition at that time was basically the sky will fall if you let them do this, even though 100%. it's been done for years with wine and beer. Yep, right. The sky will fall. Children will be bathing in it in the streets. There will be mad parties. It'll be terrible, right? And, you know, these common carriers have alcohol shipping policies that have been in place for decades, right? And we were saying we're just going to use those same policies. So if nothing else, during this crisis time, we have been able to have a nice little test case that shows the sky did not fall. Everything was fine. And people, generally speaking, who should get it, get it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm. So uh, will that mean that there's not some instances of bad actors somewhere? Probably. There always is, right? Always is, right? But that's the case now. I mean, people can go to a skivvy convenience mart and buy their cheap beer with a fake ID, you know, so you can't legislate perfection anytime, no matter what. So I think what we can show is that, look, this was an enormous boost for Virginia ABC revenue, which they care about, that state budget money that we're creating that didn't exist before, um, and uh, and that it's a convenience to the customers and blah, 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 blah. Yep, mm. brilliant. Well, f- fingers crossed that it does. I-, I would love to see it come in, and I would love for Virginia to show how well it can work yeah. uh, for producers like yourself. Yeah, 50-50 chance, that's what I'm saying. That means I don't know anything. well thank you very much Scott hey thanks guys it was an absolute pleasure listening back to that conversation with Scott and, and just getting the updates from him. And we, what I gleaned from that was that when push comes to shove, it's clear that our government can work for us. And they clearly worked for Catoctin Creek when they allowed, you know, Catoctin Creek to, to ship directly to yeah. consumers, right? Yeah. Loosening some of those restrictions, allowing them and the other distilleries within Virginia to stay afloat, to to rely on these sales that that really had stopped. So kudos to uh, the Virginia uh, government on that one. You know, our elected officials in this state sometimes do their best. 
<laughs> and I'll leave it at that. Um, I will say this. It's, it's yeah. always interesting talking to Scott because A, he's a terrific person. B, he's an accomplished distillery owner. Mm-hmm. But when you sit back, whenever we interview him and, and you give him a question and you sit back, he is also an accomplished interviewee. He has yes. been on the radio, he's been on the TV, he's been on cable news, he's been on our silly little podcast. He is a man who knows how to answer a question, mm-hmm. but also how to comport himself. And I, I, I'm always in, in great awe of him. He's, he's, he's just terrific. Well done on the uh, the use of comport. That will mm-hmm. be today's uh, word of the podcast. And good job summarizing exactly all of that. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't done a word of the podcast, and we haven't. It's been a while. while. Right. It's been a while. Yep. Bring yep. back the juxtaposition. Just gets thrown around with reckless abandon <laughs> these days. <laughs> But comport, yeah. I was waiting on the. I could see that glint in your eye that there was a dick joke formulating, but I also saw, and, and to me, this is this is a sign of great maturity. I also saw you allow that that thought to pass, and you thought, no, I'm I'm going to let Jason finish this lovely comment he's making about the wonderful Scott Harris. I'm not going to sully this moment. I that's I'm very proud of you this day, Joshua Hatton. Well, I always want to make sure that you finish and that you finish first. And you did. And so I appreciate I appreciate it. And right comments. now, I have a smile on my face and a cigarette in my hand. So it's all <laughs> gone fantastically for all You're going to take a nap too now, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm going to continue the rest of these interviews in about 20 minutes. <laughs> Um, Jason. Oh, Joshua, you got us there. No matter how much I think you've matured, you, you still got us there. You know uh, you secretly set that up so I can knock you, that down. I tell you, you got your joke off. <laughs> I always like to joke off. Anyway, we we do have a fifth and and final interviewee here. Did you want to introduce us to our fifth and final interviewee for this episode, Jason? Yeah, this is of course a very dear friend of ours. It's a little strange to to also describe her as an employee. I th- I think of her much more as a colleague. Hmm. In this global enterprise of single cast nation, and so one of the things that we had thought in putting this episode together was obviously we've, we've already had an independent bottler, that is the wonderful Ali Walker and, and mm-hmm. infrequent flyers. But we're also a single cast nation podcast and we're not having a news segment today, nope. a traditional news segment. And so why not interview Jess? Why not get some eyes on the global project, seeing how that's being affected and Give us a chance to catch up with somebody who's very dear to us. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's exactly what we did. And here's the interesting thing, and I hope she doesn't mind me saying this. She's the youngest person we interviewed. And as the youngest person we interviewed, 
she had the most issues with technology. Isn't that interesting? You know, th- there's this you know, whole, there's this whole, you know, OK Boomer thing mm-hmm, going on. Mm-hmm. And it really surprises me that young folk mm-hmm. who basically should be, you know, born knowing how to code. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's almost this role reversal. It's like they're being born Luddites. It's it, it's absolutely remarkable. You also got to think. Think of the transition of technology mm. that you and I have lived through from the, the birth of the personal computer mm-hmm. all the way to we now have so, supercomputers on our wrists. Yeah. Right? <laughs> right? It's, it's remarkable. The, the, the Dick Tracy dream of being able to talk to your watch and communicate with another person has been real. Is alive and yes. well and has been for several years. Let me tell you a very quick story. So, as listeners know, uh, I, I come from a, a professorial background, and one of my very dear colleagues from, from back in the day uh, remains an educator. And, and she posted online the other week that she is now teaching all of these 18, 19, 20-year-olds yeah. in an online arena. And, and think how much business you and I conduct in an online arena, right? Uh-huh. It's a all day, every day, nonstop. Yes. And and what my former colleague came to realize is that very few students were responding to prompts, very few students were actually submitting work, very few students were reaching out to her with any kind of problem, even though none of the work was getting done. Hmm. And she created a survey and and the very first question was, are you using a Mac or a PC? Oh, no. And first of all, yeah. And there were many, there were many other questions after that. But first of all, approximately 50% of the people she sent that survey to did not respond to it. So so there are multiple choice questions. Oh, they, so it, they they simply did not respond to that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's not as if they got a yes, no, or I nope. don't know, nope. but so, it was just, what do I so 50% do? 50% of them, it just went into the ether, right? Whoa. It just whoosh, went past them, right? Wow. okay. Of those who did respond, yeah. 30% of them didn't know the answer to whether they were using a Mac or a PC. Holy crap. How, okay, go on. <laughs> and that I had to stop reading. Okay, okay. <laughs> because... Because you've now reached a point where, what's that, 80% of the people, the young people that you are now teaching online, have no comprehension of the online arena. And and it really is young people that technology has passed them by. It's now become, you pick up your iPhone and shit happens on it. You look at your watch, shit happens on it. You don't necessarily need to know anything but they're also not really using it for anything. My brother, oh, wonderful. Two shout-outs in the same episode. My brother, who turns 40 next year, and my eldest son, who turned 13 this year, have the exact same issue slash addiction to TikTok. You know, the number of TikTok videos that your brother sends me is alarming. Well, so here's the thing. Yeah. 
Now think of all the TikTok videos he's not sending you and it far outweighs the number that he is sending you. Yeah, we, we now we've gone way down the rabbit hole, but we had to take TikTok back off the 13-year-old's phone because he would just be lost to it. It would be gone, over. And now he goes on YouTube and watches compilations of TikTok videos on YouTube. Yep. Yeah, there's there's no avoiding it. My 13-year-old's the same way. Every time I see her, what are you doing? TikTok. Oh. And then she shows me the videos, and I'm not going to lie to you, I don't understand a goddamn thing of what's going on. There's people saying things that are apparently funny. Like She's like, oh, what? She's going to say this? And she says it, and she starts laughing, and I don't know what she's laughing at. And you have to read. Like Some of these videos are are like 12 seconds long. You have to hear what the person says while reading what's written on the video. Like, I can't do that. I mean, so so what I'm trying to say is, in some ways, I feel that you and I, as, as Gen Xers, are definitely further ahead on the how-to-operate-technology side of things. But the young folk, younger folk, the... Mm-hmm. And, and and then apparently also your brother, um, <laughs> you know, are more on the social side of it, but less on the tech Exactly. Side of it. And that's the exact point I was making. Yep, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, if, if, if my colleague, my former colleague could just teach her class over TikTok, she might get higher returns uh, on the work she's putting in. Jesus but Christ. Anyway, anyway, Grandpa... Let's let's <laughs> head on over to the delightfully young, uh, hopefully the ever young, Jess Lomas, and let's see how things are affecting SCN Global. Okay. So Jess, uh, we're joined now with our global sales manager, Jess Lomas Hi, Jess. from Glasgow. Thanks for joining us. Jess. Hi. What is the coronavirus lockdown looking like for you personally? Are you stuck in the house? Are you getting out to do your shopping? How's Scotland treating you? I feel like potentially there are criminal repercussions for me answering this wrongly. So (laughs) I am staying indoors. I am only going outside once a day for my government endorsed exercise. But if I'm honest, sometimes that's not even once a day. Uh, and then, yeah. So it's um, it's it's a bit weird. Um, I think the thing I miss the most is the pub. Uh, and then mm. I think the thing I miss after that is probably my office. And I never thought I'd say that. Uh, <laughs> Do you miss the people who occupy your office? Yeah, yeah. I miss I miss the people in my office because it's uh, it's nice to see different people. After a while, talking to yourself gets a bit, a bit boring. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah. I could talk to Chris, but you know. Um. <laughs> so, so if that's on the personal side of things, how is it looking on the business side? And 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 don't think about you answering this question to your two to bosses. Bosses. Just think about the listeners and what do the listeners want to know about what life is like for the global sales manager of Single Cast Nation. Uh, actually, I, I get asked this quite a lot. So. On um, <laughs> often by us and mostly every day. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> uh, 
I, it's funny because the UK we have this. Um, there, uh, there are lockdown rules, but they're not um, as strict as some countries are, and they're also not as relaxed as Sweden is, where they're not doing any lockdown at all. So, in, in which is very weird. Um, in the UK, um, the thing that I guess directly affects my job is that um, a lot of the specialist retailers are closed. Mm. All the, they're certainly closed to people going and browsing shopping. I think it's really interesting time to be in one of these um, shops. <laughs> Terrifying and slightly interesting. It, it's, it's really changed the way these shops are presenting themselves to the public. Um, there's a lot less... Uh, I guess, um, I don't really know how to phrase There's a, a lot less options for um, people who are browsing to come in and be like, you know, a, a conversation. Oh, what do you drink? Are you looking for a gift? Those kinds of things that yeah. can really help a specialist retailer narrow down what it is somebody who's in the shop is looking for, rather than it being somebody mm -hmm. who's come in saying, I really need to have that bottle of Beaumont 12 or, you know, whatever they're looking mm -hmm. for. Those mm -hmm. kind of conversations are restricted, so... I'm really enjoying watching how these smaller shops are evolving with our times. Um, definitely around me in Glasgow, a lot of them have um, increased their online presence. Mm -hmm. um, so that means that they have really pushed um, for sales online instead, which is interesting because I think traditionally some of these guys, um, we have big UK online retailers. I think they didn't want to be competing against that, so had maybe avoided mm. looking at uh, maximising their online sales. So around me, certainly, um, all the little guys are, um, even the ones without websites, which is interesting. There's a, a shop not too far from me who have a website which is effectively a holding page, now have it so there's like a requests box and you pop in what you want and they call you up and take your payment over the phone and then oh. arrange oh, delivery, wow. which I'm sure to you sounds wild. It's pretty wild to <laughs> us, to be honest. Um, yeah. they, they like a conversation. I'm friends with the manager. So um, that's, yeah, kind of what they, they do, which is a bit strange. Lots of other ones, like our friends at Good Spirits, um, have offer, started offering um, local deliveries, which previously would have been done through national couriers but now they're they seem to be focusing a lot more on um wines and beers and the kind of things people that now they're in the house are drinking a lot more of and yeah. that's not uncommon I, I can see that across a lot of other people in glasgow who are offering it too they're focusing on the idea of um kind of not face-to-face -face contact because we're not really allowed that but you know um Mm -hmm. they're they're in the locale and they're able to offer delivery of something so i think that's quite interesting where previously that wasn't really an option given wow. so what do you think the landscape looks like for a new brand um i i think it's it's a little bit worrying because those traditional um ideas that when you're setting out you know you're going to target these shops build relationships those kinds of things are not really an option at the moment i think i genuinely think they will come back um, it's also because a lot of stores have staff who are furloughed, so physical shops um, mm. are shut. Um, for example, mm -hmm, yeah. one of the biggest shops here in the UK for whiskey, um, they have 20-odd stores. All of their staff are furloughed, so currently that that whole thing is out. So that's kind of interesting. Is, it, is that the whiskey that? shop is you're alluding whiskey? to? Yeah. yeah, so the whiskey shop oh, okay. have closed all their stores. They still have an online option that's still running, and their Lockfine branch online is still running too, but not there's no physical you can go to a shop. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think so as a result, that's really driving towards online 
in however you can. Like I'm saying, whether that's um, increasing your online options. A lot of them are doing flash sales. You can see that in a lot of prices. There's, they'll do like Master of Malt, do flash sales. That's, that offering's really increased. Lots of people are doing, you know, if you spend over X amount and that's free delivery. Okay. Um, talking of Master of Malt, they have a very interesting um, scheme at the moment where one pound from every sale that they make online goes towards um, a hospitality charity kind of like setting up and looking looking after people in the industry like the one that we did where it was a, a given yeah. oh like the the uk's version of the usbg sort of yeah Oops. yeah yeah okay so yep. i think that's very interesting yeah, i saw that on their site yeah it's very prominent and it's, awesome. it's got a little running ticker of how much and it's a very generous amount of money so i think that's great um professionally and personally um, whiskey drinking has changed in that obviously we're now all stuck in. So what's interesting is um, Zoom. I did a, mm-hmm. a little Instagram <laughs> post on this the other day. Um, before this all happened, I'd never heard of Zoom, certainly never used it. And now I'm on it like every other day. It's right. It's a really cool tool. I know there are lots of other options available. That's right. That's a very BBC. Other brands <laughs> that are available. That was very BBC. <laughs> uh, no, like FaceTime, so... FaceTiming yeah. is available on Skype and messenger calling and these kinds of things. There are other ones available. Um, we have started using Zoom for our tastings, uh, which is quite cool. I like it because it doesn't necessarily require you to be signed up. I just send people the meeting codes. They just plug that in and they can join us. That's, you know, it's fairly, fairly manageable. Um, I, I can see lots of brands doing more of these like online tastings either in the form of seminar where you get to drink along with somebody like Kilhoman have done and Adelphi. Mm-hmm. Um, you get to drink along with somebody and there's some way of inputting questions, usually as text, and they handle that as the tasting goes along. Yep. Um, personally... What- Which can be a nice wrinkle, right? It's yeah. one of the things that I've seen people struggle with on, on the Zoom side is <laughs> oftentimes people will all talk at the same time mm-hmm. or multiple people will ask questions at the same time. And having people formulate a sentence question that somebody can moderate and see and present to the to the host is a is a very sensible system. Jason, I just let me interject here. You have not been on as many Zooms as I have been and, and likely not as many Zooms as Jess has been on. Those Zoom conversations early doors were all you know, every person for themselves, let's all talk mm-hmm. at once. And etiquette evolved really quickly. So people are making use of the chat box. People are making use of mute buttons and people are having moderators assigned and, and things like that. So Zoom seems like a better place now than it, than it was uh, early <laughs> doors. That, that's for sure. I was going to say that um, when we did our very first Zoom tasting, I kind of was almost minded to tell people, everyone um, log in and have like a a wooden spoon to the side. And then when you want to speak, hold up the wooden spoon. (laughs) Um, And it it didn't it didn't really happen. I I think people are spacing conversation in a different way. They're maybe not jumping in to contribute in the same way they would do when we're all face to face in a pub or wherever else. So I think that's really interesting. I must admit, we did sort of threaten our group being like, if it all gets too chatty, we'll mute everyone. But everybody has been really good at um, self-policing so that when they are listening, hitting that mute button and turning themselves off. I know as a 
a moderator or as somebody running a Zoom meeting, you can control that. You can turn it on and off. Mm -hmm. Um, But I haven't needed to do that at all with our groups. We started out with uh, 10 or 15 people uh, and just set that as like a homework assignment, got people to bring their own drums. And then we've kind of adapted Zoom to how we run our tastings. So um, we do presenting of the drums. Uh, We encourage people to ask questions in chat and then whichever Mm -hmm. one of us isn't Mm -hmm. talking is reading the comments, which I think works really well. Um, And then at the end, so our... Maybe if I give this formula away, other people will steal it. Um, but our first kind of drams that we're guiding people through, um, everybody has the same in our group. And then dram number five for um, my guys anyway, and we do is what we've called a mystery dram. So they all get given a different dram and then you pour it in your glass and I just do a simple, hello, what have you got in your glass and do you like it? You know, you don't have to go into in-depth analysis. You don't need to tell me... Tasting notes are straightforward. I've got yeah. a tomato in 13 and it's delicious. We'll do. Um, and that's been a lot of fun. We've been catering it slightly so that if we know I was sending it to Jason and he doesn't mm. like PT, if the Octomore comes out of my sample kit, then that goes back in and we switch it for something else. Because I think that's it's good to <laughs> not send people something they're going to hate. This is supposed to be fun. Um, so we've had a lot of success with that. We've gone from doing our... We thought we would only do one tasting a month, like we do in the pub, and we have gone and done five or six tastings this month. Yeah, the, there's a thirst for it. Yeah. yeah, and I think I think what is interesting about it is that, yes, there's a thirst for it, and I like that maybe one of the advantages over a traditional tasting is that I can include you guys. You don't actually need to be in the room with me. Um, mm. It's really nice, the idea of building a, a community, albeit slightly difficult when people talk, but nice that we can have people in. So I've had people joining our tastings who are not in Glasgow, which is really lovely to have people who are able to join us who wouldn't have been able to make it to the pub. Yeah. Yeah. Are we seeing any uh, single cast nation online tastings with, with Jess Lomas? Yeah, I have two coming up. I have awesome. one for a group who are mostly based here in Glasgow, but there are people joining us from scattered bits of Scotland and London will be joining that tasting. And then I have a tasting at the end of the month for a group in Sweden. Okay. Um, awesome. Which we would have been in Sweden doing the tasting for them. <laughs> obviously, obviously we're not now. And I'm a little bit grumpy about that. But um, what's interesting is that's that's grown from uh, the group that I was going to do it for. They're like, well, I have a pal somewhere else. Can he join? So now it's it's sort of like a tasting for the whole of Sweden. <laughs> that's <laughs> so, great. That's fun. I'm really do, excited do- about it. Do you see, you know, uh, let's say the world in next year returns to some degree of normalcy? Do you see this staying a part of your your normal tasting schedules, incorporating a Zoom or two every month, or like how do you how do you see these sorts of tastings being in your life when we can actually start going out and visiting shops? Um, I think. I'm not sure about in terms of actually selling to shops. I think that will probably go back more towards a traditional method. But I do do like the idea of being able to hold much bigger tastings on a much bigger base, you know, Mm -hmm. that you can include people from all over. Um, We also had people in one of our tastings who were on the night were unable to dial in and join in. So we just recorded it for them and sent it to them. Oh, nice. Yeah. So they still felt like they were able to join in 
Um, that's really important in my format anyway, because all of our drams are pod blind. So <laughs> otherwise you've just got a box of whiskey and you don't really know what it is. Um, so, but it's, <laughs> it's important to me, I think, that the option was there, you know. Um, what was much more terrifying was playing it back and watching myself talking yeah sometimes it's best not to do that or just to accept that you have to do it without shame or embarrassment Uh, the hang of it you know i've I've got over this podcast listening back sometimes i listen to it (laughs) i'll say things like huh turns out i'm quite funny didn't know that (laughs) (laughs) yeah i've i've often found listening back that 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 my bits are the best bits you guys don't (laughs) see that too (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah there's something slightly um, weird about laughing along with yourself to me it, it, that is kind of weird <laughs> yeah um, mine mine is when i'm listening back and in my head i make the joke that i'm just about to make uh on the podcast where i'm like oh okay internally i'm that predictable <laughs> undercutting your own joke <laughs> um so with with a with a few minutes to go talk to us about global given that you are the global sales manager What's the global scene looking like, or is there just absolutely nothing there to talk about? No, actually, funnily enough, I think there's more going on globally than perhaps domestically, for now anyway, um, mm-hmm. I, because some countries are further on in their handling of this and have developed their own systems. So um, I've been talking to some people out in Japan who are up and running. They're more surprised, actually, that we have access to warehouses and that we could potentially move bottles and products around for them, I think. They seem to be like, oh, what that? it's been quite nice. I've had a few conversations where people have been pleasantly surprised that I can ship them samples or I can, um, you know, arrange for consignments to get to them. So I think that's, we are managing. Th- I mean, obviously, our lovely, lovely warehouse people are, you know, not running at full staffing levels. So there are sure. obviously going to be a few delays there, but not, it's not not achievable. Good words mm-hmm. today, uh, mm-hmm. but it is it is a possibility. So, I, and I think that's kind of funny, you know, that one of my my as you all know, my love of logistics it never really stops. And so, you know, if you need to move something, there are ways and means. It's maybe not as quick as sometimes it is. Um, mm. For example, um, I have found that shipping samples to people who are doing my tastings in London, in some cases, that's taking a week and a half for them to get samples, which is ridiculous. Wow. <laughs> to go from Glasgow to London, wow. the length of the UK. Meanwhile, like, you, you sent. You, meanwhile, you sent me three vegan haggises on on a Wednesday, and I received them on a Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> which is which is totally crazy. Um, I was surprised. I must admit, when I processed that shipment and it said delivery Thursday, I was like, "Yeah, whatever." I'll just keep an eye on that. And it, it did. I, I was just sat pressing refresh on my shipment tracker, just being like, "What? Look where it is Amazing. now." From Glasgow to Guilford, Connecticut. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> so it turns no, out. My, my experience was ordering uh, a few bottles from the Whiskey Exchange, and they got them to the US lightning fast, and they have not moved in the United States. So it's kind of like, okay, well, one part of that was amazing, and the other part has mm. you know, got global pandemic issues. Mm. There you go. Anything else impressing you globally? Uh, I just I quite like that there's a growing sense of community or maybe I'm just much more aware of um, people talking to each other a bit more. Um, I have to say that we've had some really interesting people contact us since I put up my little post about doing Zoom tastings saying if anybody wanted to get involved. I have had people get in touch who I would not have thought I would have heard from and that's been really 
on some levels, professionally terrifying because there are some real pros talking to me now. And I think, oh, <laughs> someone's going to work out that I'm an imposter at some point. But um, <laughs> it's, it's really nice to talk to people. And I hate the... That sounds really cutesy. But I think, you know, at least for me, for a lot of people, it's quite unsettling, this constant not really understanding. It's nice to have a distraction that is something I have a real passion for. So talking to mm. people who are also enjoying whiskey then that's it's a nice way to pass the time as we're all staying indoors jessica 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 a thousand times jessica lomas <laughs> 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 i gotta tell you jason I, I'm trying to think how long we've known Jess. Probably a good five to eight years. <laughs> <laughs> Am I right? In yes, that? there has there has definitely been a period in history where we have known Jess Lomas. You're hundred percent correct. Hundred um, percent. The one thing that has never failed us, whether it was from five years ago or eight years ago. <laughs> <laughs> is that Jess is always a delight to talk to and and to listen to and and I can and and, and I'm going to I'm going to ride on what you said before that it is strange to call Jess an employee because first I call her a friend and a colleague yep absolutely and and apparently we pay her to sell single cast nation whiskey. So it's true. We, we reimburse her for her efforts. We, there you go. We reimburse her for her collegial friend. <laughs> collegial. You had the beginning of the right thing there. It, you know, which which brings me to a point. When you started talking about uh, a professorial background, I thought you were going to start talking about prophecies and all the Nostradamus stuff. <laughs> exactly, like, I got yes. really excited. Yes. Let me tell you what's going to happen this Thursday. <laughs> Only because you've looked at my calendar. <laughs> and let me couch it in the most vague terms. Yeah. You're going to be sitting at home with yeah. loved ones and, and a piece of news will come to you that day. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yep. I was sitting here with my loved ones, and yep. I got a notification, same one that I get every day from, yep. from Apple News, but news came through that prophecy yep. was correct. You, you tell me what I already know. <laughs> um, actually, so actually, now that you talk about the, the hiring of Jess Lomas, mm -hmm. you and I All right. think that everybody in the nation listens to the podcast is on the private Facebook page, mm -hmm. uh, is on Instagram, is on Twitter, reads yeah. all of our emails. Sure. It, and, and apparently that's not entirely true because <laughs> now that we've started signing a lot of the company emails, Joshua, Jason, and Jess, yeah. some people have had the audacity to write in and say, who is Jess? <laughs> and so if you are one of those people... I want you to return to One Nation Under Whiskey, Season 3, Episode 19, mm -hmm. where I was in Elgin, in, and Jess is the first person to tell you this, Elgin's fifth best hotel. 
<laughs> I love that so much. Elgin's fifth best hotel. Oh, so smart. And, so and we we welcomed Jess to the company in uh-huh. that episode. She then got so comfortable so quickly that just a few episodes ago, mm-hmm. she and Mark Watt conspired <laughs> to take over the podcast. And yes, yep. Kate Watt, Mark's wonderful wife, and wishing much mazel yes. to Kate, Kate and Mark, Joe Jessica, has now entered this world. Mm. And she entered this world on my 18th wedding anniversary. That was very thoughtful of her. Uh, she's a, a wonderful young lass. Wonderful. <laughs> so, so, so much mazel to the Watts. And uh, season what? four, episode five, you can hear the the podcast takeover, and uh, and a, a lovely conversation that was. Really, really wonderful. Yeah, you know, uh, just really quickly about that episode, I, we recorded a good. There was almost three hours worth of audio. Now, some of it mm-hmm. was just us, you know, shooting the shit and really not conducting an interview. But I would say, excuse me, let me try that again without uh, going through puberty. Uh, I would say that, you know, a good two hours of it I thought would be usable, but we both agreed that, you know what, let's try to keep this short. Let's try to edit it down to an hour. And so I went into it saying, okay, you know what? I'm, ge- I'm going to do that. Jason has given me instructions. I'm going to do that. <laughs> wow. And J- Jason's been given far too much power in this story. <laughs> uh, but then All I, of this w- power is merely an illusion. <laughs> but then I went back to listen to it, and, and I just got caught up in how open and honest, and you wouldn't even know in many cases that we had microphones in front of us. It was just- yeah, that was the goal. Right. And and so pretty much two hours of the conversation uh, ended up in that podcast. So I didn't listen to you regardless of the amount of power you'd, you'd given me. So before we close out of here, you know, I know there's something that you wanted to share with there the is. listeners. There is. There's also a couple of things that I wanted to share with the listeners, some, some podcast feedback. Oh, uh, fantastic. Well, let, let me. Mine pertains to podcast feedback also. Okay. But Why don't you this, go this, first if you yeah, want. this came into my Instagram, and as much as we always give the company stuff, um, if you want to see what whiskeys and beers I essentially post on Instagram, you can follow me at Johnston Yellen, and that is simply John Stone Yellen. It's like yelling, but without a G. And is so, that? Johnston with an E or without an it E? It is. That's why it's John Stone. Stone. I wanted that own in there. And then okay. Yellen. Yeah. Um, and so the good balancer, mm-hmm. long time listener, long time good supporter of the nation, mm-hmm. reached out to me personally to say, Jason, I, I think he's a smart person. I think he might have done this in order to avoid the double J. Triple J, <laughs> Joshua, Jason, Jason, Joshua, Jess, Joshua, Jason, trap. Uh-huh. And I, very smart. Jason, he opens this with. Had to tell you, I always get so much out of the podcast, you and Joshua do. Hmm. But there was one little tidbit in your last podcast that I wanted to mention. I'm sure if you were to guess, you would never guess what it is that I'm going to point out. 
And, and he was right, because I did. I, I spent a few seconds, like, I wonder, yeah. no idea. Okay. You mentioned that YouTube has background bar sounds for two hours. Oh, I remember that, yeah. As soon as the podcast was done, I went to see if I could find it. Of course, it was there. I played it for my wife. We both loved it. It felt like home. Not sure what that says about us. (laughs) (laughs) But it was a familiar sound that we missed. Okay. We plan on playing that as we have some drinks at home. Both of us think we will play it until we can go back to a bar. Thanks for all you do. Hope you and your family are safe and well. And I that was just a it was so perfect because it you know, something that I recommended brought them comfort. And that made me very very happy. But I also thought it was such a perfect note for this COVID-19 episode yeah. Yeah. where this is the type of isolation we're experiencing. There he is at home with his wife, somebody he loves and cherishes, and yet the context of that relationship mm-hmm. is just missing a little white noise around yeah, the edges. Exactly. Yeah. And just like you said, and just like Dave Grohl said way back in the beginning of the episode, there's that connecting with other human beings. Mm-hmm. There's that context for your life that we're missing right now. And so I, I I reached out to him. I said, thanks ever so much. Would you mind if I read this on the podcast? Yeah. Actually, I, and I actually said, pad cost. Um, <laughs> and, and he said, go right ahead. So that's why I'm sharing that note today. Um, but yeah, what a, what a lovely fella and, and best, very best to him and his good lady wife. And uh, enjoy those drinks with a little bit of bar sound in the background. It's such a treat hearing from balancer he he's been there from the early days on he was he was one of the the earliest people to reach out to us to ask us questions and so balancer thank you so much for sticking with us to still listening with that i wanted to transition over to some of the feedback that we got on the apple podcast app you cool with that yeah i love the fact that people are Popping a little review there, and I love the fact that we get to read it on the podcast. Yeah. So this one is entitled one, and then in paren, awesome, then close paren, nation under whiskey. (laughs) (laughs) Now, the the author chose uh, his or her name as simply come join the nation uh, with the word nation capitalized and a singular exclamation point, and I thought. You'd appreciate that, Jason. What a sensible human being. I'm right. very much on board with how they use grammar. <laughs> and five stars. They maxed out the number of stars that, that can be used in a single review. Yeah. So the comment goes as such. I've been listening to this podcast since its inception and would rate it higher than the five stars if I could. I should probably be banished from the nation for not writing a review sooner. <laughs> <laughs> we'll let it go. We're, we're forgiving chaps. We are. We are. Uh, it goes on and says, the podcast is good fun and education. Whiskey nerds, you will love this podcast. Anyone interested in whiskey and the spirits industry, you will learn a whole lot from it. 
And eventually, after a few episodes, you'll become a whiskey nerd. Mmm. Lovely, right? Yep, very much to the point. Yep. Yeah, I love it. Thank you to come join the nation. Yeah, those are those are very <laughs> kind words. Uh, so thank you, come join the nation. Um, <laughs> uh, so then we got one other one, and you will recognize this person's name. In fact, a lot of people in in our listenership should recognize this name. Okay. So it's entitled "One of a Kind," and also a single exclamation point. <laughs> and the author, and now I'm going to have to phonetically pronounce the author's name. Okay. So the author is Elijah A. <laughs> Elijah A. <laughs> so, so let me tell you real, real quickly. Yeah. The other week, I was on the telephone yeah. to one of our retailers out okay. in California. Yeah. And I was letting this person know that Elijah had given me their phone number. Mm. And I realized in the moment that I was communicating that to them, that I only know him as Elijah Imamamamamamamamon. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and I could not say that to a retailer that is one of Elijah's accounts. No, you can't. And so I just kind of fudged it with Elijah. And then moved on to my next sentence. And so the very next time I was talking to Elijah, I said, Elijah, I do have to apologize. I only know you as Imamamamamamamon. How do you pronounce A-double-M-O-N? And, and he, he, gave it, he gave it to me and I'll give it to all of our listeners. It's almond like salmon. So he told us this because he flew out to New York for the mm-hmm. Drammers mm-hmm. event. And so he had told us that that night as well. But you said Ammon? He said, yeah, no, what did you say? Did you say <laughs> um, what the? Oh, he, anyway, he, what he told me was Ammon like salmon. Uh huh. And it sounded like you said almond like salmon. Exactly. Clear as mud. <laughs> so it is Elijah A. <laughs> and the next time I speak to a retailer who's one of his accounts, I will say Elijah <laughs> So the good Elijah says there are a lot of whiskey pad cost and independent Ooh. bottlers out there. <laughs> but these guys have set themselves apart. What makes One Nation Under Whiskey and Single Cast Nation special is that these guys make you feel like family. I find myself yelling, laughing, talking to my phone in my daily commutes, acting like I'm right there with them. Mm, That makes me happy. The care for the nation is real. It's very present in the community that they've built and in the products they put forth. The podcast gives newcomers all the knowledge they need and the whiskey nerds the chance to fulfill their deepest cravings. Don't get dirty, he says. <laughs> that's, that's exactly where my mind went. <laughs> deepest cravings? Like, yeah. How can you not get dirty? <laughs> Depends on how deep you go. Anyway, and he finishes off with, keep up the great work and what you've built is well-deserved. Cheers. Mm. Well, cheers yeah, to you, Elijah. Yeah, that he is he's one of the people that gets to see how the sausage is made. 
And so that's a that's a very kind internal testimonial. I, I sincerely thank Elijah for that. Same, same. Yep. And as always, you say things better than I do. So all I can do is say, same Z's. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of words. Um, yeah, you and I have talked for years and years and years about putting up a testimonials page on the Single Cast Nation webpage, and we've just simply never done it. But in listening to what Elijah is saying there, it, it would be absolutely perfect on a testimonials page. But we'll, we'll add it to our growing to-do list, and we might get to it in 2025 or 2030 or 2040 or... Or never. <laughs> Depends on when when the world ends, right? Yeah. <laughs> on that note, thanks everybody. <laughs> this has been your uplifting COVID nineteen episode. <laughs> uh, Jason, uh, we do need to get out of here. We do. We do. We have been busy every single day of this lockdown, balancing kids and spouses and spouse careers and our careers and. Your multiple whiskey hats and my solo single whiskey hat. It's I, I hear from people who say, Oh, I'm so bored during this lockdown. And I I absolutely envy them. I would love it. I don't want it every day to be like that, but I would love a day where at the end of it I could say, Oh, I was so bored today. Well, yeah. Uh, on the other hand, it definitely beats the alternative. Of dying? Ha- uh, 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 what? Dying? Is of that the alternative? Be- of being one of the 36 million people in the U.S. that are unemployed. Oh, gosh. I tell you, you, you speak a lot of truth. That might be the most truth you've ever uttered in one sentence. That is frightening. And we've got many many good, dear, close friends who have absolutely been affected by the unemployment Mm -hmm. rates skyrocketing in this country. Yep. Yeah, well, I I tried to lighten it to get us out of here, but uh, you've brought us back to that uh, cul-de-sac again. I'm just trying to to ground us, Jason. I'm just trying to ground (laughs) us. Keep it real, the kids say. Uh, That is a... that calls for some dedicated introspection. And until the next episode of Extra Extra, it's all about whiskey, I will be committed to that quiet introspection, Joshua. Keep speaking truth to power, my friend. That's me. Uh, hashtag TTP. PPE? TTP, PPE. <laughs> Jason. Okay, home slice. Yeah. Thank you as always. I uh, will see you on the flippity flop. You will. You'll see me on Extra Extra when I get to host you. All right. Well, let us toast. Until the next chin, time. Chin chin. Two chins. Cheers, listeners. Cheers. Do you think people know that those aren't glasses? Those are just sample bottles we're tapping I together. It just sounds like you're buggering a glass donkey. <laughs>
Yeah, and then just on Saturday afternoon, he texted me and said, so what are you listening to during Saturday movie night? Uh, <laughs> so then he texted me and said, what are you listening to during family... For fuck's sake. <sighs> then he texted me and said, what are you watching? Okay, let me start from I know what I'm going to say now. I know what I'm going to say. <laughs> I hate it when I can hear the Easter egg happening.